Okay, I'm calm. What is it, quicksand? I'm calm. No, it's a dry sand pit. I'm sinking, quicksand but I'm calm. Quicksand is a mix of sand, mud, and water, and depending on the viscosity, it's not as dangerous as people Oh, for Pete's sake, sink. Jones, we're not in school! Don't worry, there's nothing to worry about unless there's a... Ah! Void collapse. I'll go get something to pull you out. Hux, don't just sit there. Huh? For God's sake, man. Go get help. Help. Help! Help! Go! Mud can be a little impetuous. Well, it's not the worst quality in the world. <laughs> Keep your arms above the surface. When the kid comes back, grab on. Indy, he... He's a good kid, Mary, and you should get off his back about school. But, not I mean... Not everybody's cut out for it. His name is Henry. Henry, good name. He's your son. Expect me to talk? Hello, and welcome to episode forty one of Do you Expect to Talk? I'm your host, Becca Andrews, and joining me are the illustrious adventurers, Chris and Dave. How are you doing? Illustrious and adventurous? Wow, okay. I'll <laughs> never describe myself like that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, would anyway. if it wasn't Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. Anyway, so this week, we are reviewing Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And the series sorry, sorry, I just... Uh... Sorry, I just I just thought about the film review and I just nearly fell asleep. Sorry, continue. It's a long title that you know sends us all into snooze. It's clunky as fuck. <laughs> and that's our review. Good night, folks. <laughs> Apparently, it's going to be called Indiana Jones and the Saucermen. I think I would have much preferred that. I think I'd have preferred I fell off my chair starring Ted Danson. <laughs> as always, the movie Indiana starts. Jones and the paycheck from. And the paycheck from Doom. And the paycheck from Lucasfilm. (laughs) And the paycheck from I Don't Need to Work Anymore. (laughs) Who's in this masterpiece, (laughs) Indiana Indiana Jones and and, and at fans' requests. (laughs) Be careful what you wish for. I mean, we'll get to Star Wars down the line. And The Force Awakens came out so much better than I ever thought. Only in as much as. Only in as much as. People were desperate to see Han, Luke, and Leia back. Yeah. Forgetting they're 30 years older. And I thought, <laughs> you want to see Han, Luke, and Leia back until you see Luke until you and Han like that. <laughs> and then you'll be like, I'm not sure that was a good idea. I mean, and actually, it came out all right. It worked out okay in the end. Yeah, this is a bit, be careful what you wish for, to be honest with you. People wanted more of these, and it finished in a lovely place. Yeah, it's Indiana Jones and the contractual agreement, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Contractual obligation. <laughs> well, apparently, didn't um, Harrison Ford actually? Cause I, I read that. Well, I read, didn't read it. I watched the special features, and and because of the the, the fan demand, were like, "Oh, when are you going to do another one?" Um, Harrison Ford was kind of, "Yeah, actually, when are we going to do another one?" So he kind of persuaded Lucas. Lucas persuaded Spielberg to come back. So it was kind. Of, it was actually really Harrison who started it. He sort of pushed for it, didn't he? You I mean they, he they wasn't? Had to do it. He wasn't fully sated doing K-19, The Widowmaker, and Hollywood Homicide. <laughs> Apparently no, not. not. 
Apparently not. Clearly not, no. Who's in this film, Becca, before we go any further? <laughs> Amazingly enough. Um, yeah, we have Harrison Ford, Kate Blanchett, Shia LaBeouf, oh, uh, Ray Winston, Karen Allen, John Hurt, Jim Broadbent, and Alan Dale, if you can spot him. With music by John Williams, a script by David Cup, directed by Steven Spielberg, and released in 2008. Oh my God, 20-year gap. Yeah, wasn't there... Did you yeah, get hiccups again then? I is, did. Is that continuing their um, thing David, of, of, of getting writers <laughs> that make it sound like you got hiccups? I, I can't pronounce his name properly because it's... David Hiccup. Yeah, the, the, the way I would... David <laughs> But the way I would pronounce it is, like, obviously being... Having studied German for, you know, through college and uni and everything, I would pronounce it, like, Cup as in C-O-E-P-P. But it's probably David Coop. But anyway, he's one of my favourite writers and he's man- managed to monumentally screw this movie up, so I'm not happy. We'll get there, because I'm not convinced he's completely to blame. Okay. All right, then. Chris, what do you make of this masterpiece? Oh, okay. Um, well, <laughs> Chris Rant. I'm sure, no, I'm sure, you know, if any, any listeners out there who've like, listened to the pa- uh, past podcast on the Indiana Jones series, the last three, what, three episodes we've done, uh, no, 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 would be aware of my constant jabs that there are only three Indiana Jones films, hinting that I kind of politely ignore this one, because... Uh, it, I just don't consider it as an Indiana Jones film, and that's part of my problem with it. Um, watching this film now, I, I, I think I don't hate it. It's I just feel like it shouldn't belong. It it you know, and I get there's certain things that I, I can kind of see what Spielberg and Lucas were trying to do, and it makes sense when you when you get behind the idea of it. But when I originally watched it uh, back in 2008, I mean, I was like actually really excited because obviously in your Jones, big part of my childhood, I just wanted like a big dose of like that kind of familiar feeling back. And it wasn't there this time uh, because they tried something different and I tried not to hold that against it. But watching it today, not only does it not have the, you know, what you'd want from a Neon Jones film and it does try and do something different, but the worst thing is, it's actually quite dull. It, you know, I mean, it doesn't give you anything else. It's no real excitement. There's no real adventure. It's, you know, the the things that were from the original films are just paint by numbers, and it's characters you can't really get on board with. It's uh, the, the the villain. I mean, the idea of the villain, I, I really like, but there's just nothing there. There's nothing, you know. To, no, it, it it's just very very unsatisfying. I think is what I'd call the the fourth instalment of the Indiana Jones series. Um, very disappointing, uh, Dave. What do you think? I was really struggling for an opinion at the outset of all this, simply because it's very easy to put on a die another day or anything like that and just rip through it and have a really good laugh about ripping through it. The fact is, I went to see this twice at the cinema. Uh, yeah. First time I was a little bit like not sure. Second time I was, I it was a bit like watching Prometheus. I was expecting to find all the hidden depths, and there weren't any. Um, it was okay, and then I came home and thought about it, and thought about what I had problems with and what I didn't. And it, and it was one of those films that got worse over time, but I still struggle to really hate it. it it's it shouldn't be there. What it lacks is energy. We've, we've watched these films one week after another, and we've had Harrison Ford playing a character that makes it up as he goes along. And whilst there's an element of that here, 
he's suddenly become the elderly bookish professor. So he's much more in control of what he's doing, which makes for a lot less tension. We've gone James Bond, uh, the, the best James Bond, playing a bookish professor, giving birth to uh, Han Solo, uh, playing a bookish professor who's also good in the field, giving birth to, like, a dumb greaser. Uh, so the apple falls really far from the tree there. Karen Allen comes in, and although she's got a couple of decent lines, she basically shits on her character from, or she's given materials to, to shit on her character from Raiders. So there's a bit of a, I'm not a great one for raped my childhood and that sort of thing. I think that's juvenile, but the fact is she has tainted a memory there by being really poor in this. Most of it's shot like it uh, looks like it was shot indoors. Yeah, uh, that's another thing yeah, as well. We're, we're I've got a big yeah, all, the, all the lighting looks really, really. Well, really we're fake. supposedly it's in jungles, natural. and it doesn't look like they're outdoors. Now they were for no. certain shots of it because I know they shot in these places, but a lot of it they're not. The action sequences are weak, and also um, we're now at a point where we've got a director and executive pro- uh, di- uh, producer in Spielberg and Lucas who have, as they've become family men and got older, they've started to pull their punches more. We saw it with Lucas uh, with the prequels, which we'll talk about in a, in a year or two when we get to Star Wars. But we're also getting it with um, Spielberg as well. And there's one shot in this film, and there's several twee things in this film. And as we go through it, most of the problems with this film are George Lucas, I think, anyway. My perception of the type of filmmaker he is and the problems I'm seeing with this. But the the biggest shot, the, the one shot in this film that really outlines how they've changed as filmmakers is the bit where Mutt goes swinging through the jungle with the monkeys. The, not the scene itself necessarily, although we'll talk about it when we get there. But the monkeys come through and into the cars. And Kate Blanchett's trying to wrestle them off her. And she throws one off the cliff. And the camera lingers long enough for us to see that the monkey's okay. <laughs> Yeah, and I just think, well, these, these were filmmakers that were quite happy to see people's fucking faces melted off 25 <laughs> years before. Um, and, I think and it's a bizarre actually, sort you see of a man's thing. face getting eaten by ants as well. And it's like, it's oh. just something really twee about this film because people die, but like animals aren't allowed to. Animals are fine. I, I, I think it was kind of ill-conceived. It's, it's, I, thought, I went into it thinking it's not as thin as Temple of Doom, and it actually is. I, I will talk about which one I prefer later in the show, but the fact Temple is, it, it's, quite, <laughs> it's quite dull. Yeah. Uh, I don't really like Temple of Doom, but it, anyway, this film is rather boring. Um, they walk straight into the limitations of the plot. It's one thing to acknowledge Indiana Jones as getting older, but having Muck continually say, what are you, 80? He's well, just was, like, well, what's the fucking that was point? Of that? A, it's not funny, and B, you make B. He doesn't look eighty. Don't be ridiculous. No. And C, we're sat there thinking, well, if the filmmakers think he's too old, why shouldn't we? So what we end up with is a failed experiment that tries more than Temple of Doom to fit in with what came before, but has got a lot of problems as we go through it. I think obviously because Spielberg, um, the the father and son parallel runs deep as well. I mean, I like. Uh, watching watching these all together, like like back to back, I noticed that they they tried to almost like flip reversal. So this time now, Indy's now the father figure, and is all you know, and he's still Indy, but he's now like the the father figure. And I noticed there was a there was a moment 
between him and Mutt where it was similar to what uh, Harrison Ford had with Connery, where uh, Charlotte Buff looked kind of like impressed by it. Uh, it was, I think, yeah, it was the moment where uh, the statue of... Um, of uh, oh, uh, He was laughing at it. Yeah, he was like, like kind of like, oh, did you see Marcus. that? And he was like, not impressed. But even that, I mean, I wouldn't expect Harrison Ford to laugh, but it was a little bit heavy-handed. It was a little bit like... It was almost a bit meta. It was a little bit while well, the actor really died, so we mustn't laugh at this. Um, but I, I kind of got what they were going for. I got what they were for. trying to do. Uh, it's it, it's such a mixed bag. Lucas is most of my problem with this. We'll talk about it as we go through. It's pretty fucking weak. But the age of Harrison Ford isn't inherently an issue. No. Becca, what, 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 what was your take um, on Yeah, just... As I say, I was only managed to see this like twice at cinemas. Um, first time I came away thinking, "Oh, I was disappointed," and the second time, like yourself, I sort of sort of went, "Okay, this time hopefully maybe there'll be more in it." And I think I came away even more disappointed than I did than the, than the first time I saw it. Um, but you, you've got like well, we, we talk about the dream team. This is probably like the ultimate dream team. So you've got Lucas Spielberg, Harrison Ford, Janusz Kaminski. I mean, just. Everybody you could but bear want. in mind, I mean, not only is he shot, most sorry to interrupt you there, no, but don't forget, Janusz Kaminski's shot Schindler's List, exactly. This is all the old, old guard back again. It's just like, and then this is the sort of thing they produce, yes, they're getting old, yes, you know, they're kind of resting on their laurels a little bit. Um, but this is a pretty sorry film. Um, I think that for me, I, I don't, yeah, I was gonna say, I, my comment earlier about David Cup, I don't blame him completely. But it's just like, oh, it's just such a disappointment. There's so much, like, the one reason, I think, um, like Karen Allen, for example, she's woefully underused. If she had much more to do, they have a little bit, you know, bickering in, that, in the middle um, during some of the chase scenes. And they do have some nice lines together between her and um, her and Harrison Ford. But it's just like, she's just there, use her, and she doesn't get used a lot. Um, well, I, I always joke about, like, her in this film is just like, she's just happy to be there. That's what she's she She's just token. Like. Token she, lady. She's she literally there, like almost like pretty much every scene she's, she's smiling away, just like, oh my god, I'm kind of in a big blockbuster again with students. Yeah, Burger. and you're in it. Oh, Hooray! This is, this is great. And I, I, said, I mean, I know obviously, you know, times change and this may, Marion might be different, but. We don't expect uh, Marion to be the 30 year old equivalent anymore, but at the same time, you know, she, she's a mother and all the rest of it, so times yeah. change. But I wouldn't expect her to go from so feisty to this. No, she's completely changed character, and I kind of—I mean, Kate Blanchett is amazing. She's a massive coup for this film. Um, I just she's a massive coup, but I think she's one of the problems with it. She is again. She's underused. I mean, she could be such a, a really good, you know, really kind of nasty villain to kind of kind you love to hate. I, I think she's great casting, but I don't think her character's given anything to do. No, you don't see her. You, you hardly ever see her. She pops up here and there, just like yeah. oh, so Doctor Jones, you know. And the way she says Doctor Jones, I just think, oh my <laughs> god. I don't, I don't mind that a bit, Hamill. But then, there's, but, there, but, there's, but there's never, there's never really an opportunity to show how villainous she really is. I mean, no. I, I mean, like at one point, I mean, halfway through the film, she that that she's pretty much like in a like, like a, a companion to to India. They're kind of like working together, almost. You know, yeah. and it's no real sort of sense of threat or villainy in her. No um, danger. Well, no, and, she's and when you get to the big action scene, you know, which you think, oh, thank God, yeah, the, the you know, like what what, you know, what you kind of think, it's all it's it's in the jungle and it's all done CGI and shallow bus like start like sort of sword fighting, but get doing a split between two cars, and it's just like, no, this isn't. 
this isn't the practical Indiana Jones thing that I that I and wanted. And they promised practical. And really I think, did. well, that shows a level of awareness because, frankly, Lucas had just come off the prequels when this was announced. Okay, so they must have known that the public were a bit nervous about how virtual all of like Lucas's sets and and you know screen work was because they went out of their way to say this is going to be practical, not a load of CGI, etc. So they know there's a problem in terms of the audience and what they think of this. And then the end result looks friggin' awful. And as we go through it, it's a problem. And it ends up looking kind of um, strangely cheap. cheap. I mean, yeah. the thing is, this film cost $185 million. And your obvious point would be, well, salaries. But f- I, I, as far as I understand it, that doesn't include Ford, Lucas and Spielberg. Because they took back-end deals. Or at least uh, it was heavily loaded in terms of back-end. I'm not saying there's none of their salary in there at all. But it looks really, really cheap in places. The sets look awful. The CG looks awful. And even little things, like later in the film, we've got Mac's ca- the Mac character, Ray Winston, collecting gold. And it looks like it's just general stuff painted with gold paint. It's cheap. <laughs> it looks really cheap and nasty. They go through like this... this sort of door at one stage it looks like something out of the first tomb raider film <laughs> i'm really disappointed with the look of this film and that's what give there's several things that give me a problem in this film but the idea of an older indiana jones wasn't the issue the type of adventure was in line with the sort of things we've seen before and i've heard people say oh it should be the nazis well mm. the russians or the communists are not a bad analog for so I don't really have a problem with any of that. But in execution, script and idea, it's got a lot of George Lucas all over it and the end result's disappointing. I think what happened I think one of the things where I was disappointed um uh is because it's twenty years later, they've kind of moved moved through the time, so it's it's not the first anymore, it's the fifties. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the idea behind it was, well let's go more sci fi route. And and the, make the, a different genre then. Yeah, except, yeah exactly. sorry, make a different series then. Yeah, I mean, but that that was like the idea and bring Indiana Jones to you know, with the more with the more sci-fi route, and it looks like we've got the sheen of the fifties. You know, and it just wasn't. It just wasn't the thing that I associate with Indiana Jones. While at the same time, I appreciate him trying to do something different. It wasn't what I actually wanted. Now, if I had a better story and I had better executed action scenes and uh, with a few better homages to, to the original, I would have probably walked away happier. Yeah, I mean, there is a universe where Temple of Doom might have been as good as Raiders and if it had been, you'd be much more happy with the character being sort of more malleable in terms of what era he's in and so on. But I struggle with it. I mean, I struggle with it all the way through. In some respects, I think it's another one of the films... It, it, I've said about a lot of the Bond films less than the sum of its parts. This is actually a little bit more than the sum of its parts in that the film finishes and I think, well, well, that was all right. But from scene to scene, I've got a real problem with almost everything. To give it its due, I think I find it kind of... I mean, the, the plot-wise, plot it's a little bit dull and it is pretty much indie by numbers. But to give it its due, I think, with a sort of two-hour-ish runtime, I think it zips along. No part... I watched it and kind of thinking, oh, yeah, the effects are bad. You know, performances are kind of really under underfed. 
but overall in terms of I didn't feel any part of it sort of dragged as much it just is it by as far as I was concerned um and it kind of moved along at quite a swift pace but I think that's that, that's what, one of the few fl- pluses about this film sadly I, I guess I, I think I it did drag a little bit for me towards actually towards the last half where it was just mm, yeah, like true. oh come on get get, get a move on and then, <laughs> then, then, then you watch like the big set piece and you realize oh crap this is like the main action bit really I mean all, all you got to look forward to is the big punch up between the ants uh, and and that's about it, you know, the, the the stuff when they actually finally get to the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, where they find out the aliens, it isn't that interesting. It's all stuff we've kind of seen before with no, with nothing new to add. And, you know, it's... It, and it just doesn't feel of a piece. It's just... It is no. just disappointing. There's uh, no real payoff either as well, because you no. get sort of... Towards, the, you know, at the start, um, Kate Blanchett's villain's kind of like... If I don't know, I find out. And then at the end, she's like, "I want to know, I want to know." And then she just vanishes. And you think there's not really that payoff there. There's no, there's no build up and there's no payout. And it's just like, oh, you know, yeah, there's, there's no real death. I mean, like, I mean, oh, no. spoiler alert for the, for the when it comes to the end part when you know it's like, well, the real treasurous knowledge. What at your death? You know, it's like <laughs> well, there was yeah. there wasn't really. Yeah, but it's not just that, Chris. If you listen to that line, it really hit me today. He repeats it twice in the same sentence. Yeah. He says something like, treasure wears their knowledge, their knowledge was treasure. Yeah. And you just think, well, this is the series that, and admittedly it was a deleted scene. It was there in a deleted scene. But in the first film, they put out a cut where India Marion closed their eyes when the arc was opened. And in the final cut, there is absolutely no explanation for that. But the audience is trusted to just go, well, I generally get it. This time around, there's not so much of that. No, not at all. It's just, I, uh, I, it's sad. I mean, like, especially when you have like someone like, like John Hurt, who is a, is a good actor, really good, He's a char- legend, really good character actor, right? And you know, and all he's been given to do is is throughout the entire film, mutter utter rubbish, bumble yeah, around, <laughs> bumble around, and you think, what a waste of a fucking actor, really. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I, I get, I mean, things that we're told about his character being like actually quite important and quite but, interesting, quite. Yeah. Like, oh wow, he, he was like. Oxy, I really want to know more about him. We introduce him, and he's, he's just like, well, I, I barely spent any time with the character because he's not himself. No, you know, we're, we're told that you know he's kind of like, like this, this father relief, figure, you know, and it's just it's it, it's just dumb. Like I, 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 especially when like they're in the, the quicksand and Indy tells him to get help. A, how's he going to get help? And B, they're in the middle of a fucking jungle where the only people, <laughs> where the only people around are the people there. They same people they're running away from. So when so when it's so when he comes back. Surprise, surprise! With help, it, it is the Russians. I just found that I just found that the, that whole premise the dumbest thing in the world. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I think we need to get to it. Let's discuss this film sequentially. sequentially. <laughs> In sequential fashion. Um, I mean, to, to be honest, I think that the film starts off okay. I liked, you know, obviously they're doing it in the fifties, and I like the kind of throwback to the fifties they were doing. You know, they had like. You know, uh, teenagers and we're uh, ra- I mean, from racing, presumably what is like American military uh, cars to the soundtrack to Elvis, and it's well, it actually, I think it actually that is the Russians, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, pres- yeah presumably we are, well, at, at this point we're assuming that they're Americans, um, and it's kind of like oh, it's kind of nice, it's nice nostalgic, uh, it's interesting to start off with. Inger. I mean, I did, I did wonder we didn't have the same font for the title. Yes, we did. 
the, no, the, yeah, the, the same one, I think. The credits. Yeah, we did. The credits. Yeah, we did. You're thinking of the second one where it was the font in the sort of poster art that we know. Right, okay. But go back go back and watch Raiders it's, and Last My apologies, then. My apologies. It's exactly the same. I always thought it was the... Was, anyway, never mind. Okay, yeah, so we, we had that. And to be also, fair, I only know that, Chris, because... We just uh, watched them. <laughs> well, no, it's not even that. I was in your position once and I came home and went, that's different, isn't it? And I had a look and it wasn't. Yeah. I'm kind of with this at the start. To a degree, you know, it's, it's yeah. You know, I, I think it's, it starts off cra- uh, fairly strong. What about you guys? I didn't really have a problem with any of it. I mean, a, a lot of, I mean, some of the reviews got ridiculous. I mean, let, let's just say, on, just let's just remind ourselves on balance, the reviews of this film were fairly positive. I think it's got high seventies on Rotten Tomatoes, but those that were critical were picking on really fucking silly things. Like I saw a review that complained about the sort of mole coming out of the molehill. Because they were saying, well, that tells you everything about the film. (laughs) This is a molehill. And I'm like, oh, fuck off. Don't be so ridiculous. You're picking on a film you didn't like. The start is fine until he is taken out of the boot of a car. And again, (laughs) I didn't walk out in disgust. It was all right. But bear in mind, all three films so far, he's had a fairly iconic introduction in his various guises. Certainly the first two. And in this one, he's in the boot of a car, and then you watch the special features, and it's Lucas going, I thought that'd be a really cool idea, him in the boot <laughs> of the car with another guy. And I'm thinking, why the fuck does anyone ask George Lucas anything? Because it's yeah. a really stupid fucking idea. Oh. I, I, I didn't mind it, because we, we, we get this stabbing shot, we get the shadow, we pick up, you see him pick up the you hat. You get a hat. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mind it as, as, as a thing. I mean, it gets... I wasn't furious. It's a, it, it is a stupid idea. The dialogue though. afterwards is a little bit weird. Like, it goes a bit off rails with Waywinstone. This film is desperate to remind us he's an old man. I mean, within moments, you've got Ray Winston being fucking stereotype Cockney. <laughs> and he goes, it's not going to be easy, Josie! Well, can Ray Winston be any, anything else of this when they cast him I thought well we're going to have a modern equivalent of a Sala now I don't mean he was going to have Sala's accent I expected <laughs> it to sound like Ray Winston but I didn't expect him to be such a walking fucking stereotype but he said it's not going to be easy Joe Jay. well he, he had says, a beret didn't he, he says so. something like not as easy as it used to be and he looks a bit depressed and it's like yeah I'm getting too old and it's like, why are you writing this into the dialogue? We're supposed to be sold the triumphant return of Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, and you've got him all fucking stuck in the back of a boot and then acknowledging he's an old twat at the end of it? <laughs> what are you doing? He does have confidence in it. He's like, he's saying, he was like, oh, yeah, uh, it used to be easy. It was some line of, oh, it used to be he easier. Says, not, not as easy as it used to be. Yeah, but well, there's, uh, there's, like, well, there's more of them last time around or something along those lines. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still okay. The dialogue's iffy it's for me. It's all right. It's all all right. I mean, I, again, my first problem with this scene isn't really that. This is me picking at it. I'm sorry, you're saying, well, I don't like that. Well, I don't, but I wasn't that furious at the time. The first thing that struck, struck me as a problem was we saw loads of the sky. We saw plenty of establishing shots. And as soon as it cuts to Irina Spalco, the Kate uh, Blanchett character, the sky looks digitally replaced and it's suddenly a lot darker and they look like they're on a set or green screen. 
And it's just like, there was no excuse for this. Not only is it a terrible continuity error, because we've gone from like completely dark to half light. And then when the Area 51 doors open, it's going to look lighter again. Oh, by the way, how easy is it to just to come into Area 51? I mean, just shoot everybody up and then just just, yeah, just at the entrance. That's, that's it. That's, that's right, it. Doors. Yes. Yeah. No problem at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was the first thing I was thinking. This film doesn't look good. Um, but this sequence is all okay. What well, really, same as Die Another Day? It's the same sort of problems as that. I mean, it's you know the action's all there. Everyone's kind of all, all present, as it were. Um, but it's just the effects and the visuals just really take you out of the film. That's so they didn't look natural. They might have been filmed in Area Fifty One for all we know, but I don't quite know how. Um, but it's just the, the lighting and the visuals and the effects are just completely. T- Take me out. That's my well, actually. It's probably my main bugbear with this film. It just takes you out of the moment. They were meant to uh, um, esc- uh, emulate the, the kind of like the sheen of like sci-fi. You know, like you think you think back to the, to the original thirty series comics. It's all dusty and and rugged. Here it was like all all it meant to emulate sort of like that's kind of like spaceship. So everything's kind of almost like kind of like shiny and it's so of, fake. And glo- yeah, well, and that kind of was probably maybe intentional as well because you know you think back to the I don't think I don't think Lucas thinks I'm going to replace it with this guy and it will look shit deliberately so I I can't imagine that was deliberate there's a a way you can make it look shiny and new by also having natural kind of style or or appropriate lighting is what I'm trying to say but it looks as if obviously they filmed it on you know, I'm sure they probably did shoot it on location, or you know, a location standing in for for the Nevada desert. But it looks as if they filmed it on a soundstage, lit within an inch of their lives, and it's just it, it doesn't look natural to me. It just looks really false. And it just for me, it just takes me out of the out of the. And, frame, and this forever, this forever as well changed my perception of Kate Blanchett. I still oh, really? Think, well, I still think Kate Blanchett's a terrific actress. I think she's a good she does. No, no, I think she's a terrific actress, but. Um, I, I have had conversations with people about best actors and actresses of their generation. Mm. So, for example, I'm not saying she's the best of her generation, by the way, but Jennifer Lawrence wouldn't be in the same generation as Kate Blanchett. They're a bit no. too far apart in age, just as Kate Blanchett wouldn't be in the same generation as Meryl Streep. And I've often talked about Amy Adams, because I think Amy Adams is a really special actress. The, 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 sort of, the tiebreaker between them now is this film. Because I've never seen Kate Blanchett. I've rarely seen a, a leading actress worse in anything. I think she is really fucking awful in this. She, I think she every does. time she says, Dr. Jones, <laughs> it's like, that's not deliberate. That's just shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to be fair, her character is meant to be Ukrainian. I think they have a different accent, don't they, to, to, to Russians and things like that. But I, I don't know I'm not talking the geography of it all. But I think she does, she does well with, with what she's got. She doesn't have nearly enough to do. She doesn't have enough to she do. She has hardly any lines. But she just... I think she's a walking cartoon. And there's a scene... But she hands it up fantastically. She hands it up brilliantly. she walks as well, right? There's a scene in... Have you ever seen Top Secret? Mm. Oh, right. yeah. You know there's a bit where they're, they're, in, they're pretending to be a cow? <laughs> right, and basically the guy who looks like the the guy from the Blue Lagoon accidentally takes like a bull yeah. up the ass, and yeah. the next time you see him, he's walking with his toes pointed inward, like he shit himself. <laughs> Kate Blanchett walks like that in this film. <laughs> she she walks like she's had particularly painful anal just before they start the shoot. <laughs> it's really bad. I think she's awful in this. I really do. I think she does, you know, credit where credit's due. I think she does really well with what she's got, but unfortunately, she doesn't have nearly enough to do to do. Unfortunately, in this film, and she comes off worse worse for it. I, I think the conception of her is 
I mean, I'm fine with it. I actually quite like the idea because uh, we're meant to buy the fact that she's also a bit psychic as well. Yeah. And that I'll kind of add that's that's a little bit in- interesting. But beyond that, I mean, we don't get any more insight. The fact that oh, I just want knowledge. You know, I'd like I want to know. I want to know. Everything. She wants to know everything. Yeah. Uh, that's then, all. And she, and she has like a sword. You know, that's about as far as her character goes. And I think. I mean, I don't mind. I think Dave's right in terms that she is a cartoon, but I'm fine. Oh yeah, no, definitely. No, she is 100 percent cartoony for sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think I'm sure listeners who listen to uh, a review of a uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, I don't mind a bit hamming my villains sometimes. So some, sometimes I just want a walking, talking cartoon just to ham the shit up. I'm fine with that, um, and that is, and, and I think that's that's all she does. But there's nothing. I don't think the film serves services any more than that, really. Does, no, she's no real threat. There's, really, no, is she, there's no, there's nothing like after this. So she's just like in stuff. Yeah, it, it is like they've just gone. Well, who can be the back? We can't have the Nazis. It's the late fifties. What are we going to do? I yeah. don't know. Communists, Russians. Yeah, yeah. go. Yeah, that's Russians. It. Yeah, why not? That's it. That's the extent of the thought that got put into it. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not like they didn't even have even more than that. I mean, there wasn't. It didn't do any. It would have worked if they had actual great set pieces to go with it there's no real depth or or, or just just a few bits of like you know like moustache twirling dialogue or something there isn't there isn't any of that even no she doesn't even have I mean? moustache to twirl well yeah but you know what i mean like the you know, no, she I know can I twirl know. her pants moustache <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, 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 well she, she can grab a like lock of her curtains and put it between her <laughs> <laughs> which curtains are we on about <laughs> Oh dear, Let, let's move on, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> the I don't really want to know about those curtains. This right. <laughs> is okay. It goes on too long. Didn't like the way it started. Uh, the the Matt character don't care about either way. Uh, it's all right. It's a it's bit. All, it's okay. a bit. Oh no, he's like always oh, a turn. Go. Oh no, he's back on. Oh no, he's a turn. Yeah, is, no, he, is he or isn't he? Hmm. It's just a bit. You, but you know, but. By the point, by the time he gets to the end of the film, I mean, presumably, like, Indy knows him well enough by then. You know, it, it was it, you would have told him just to fuck off, wouldn't you? You know, yes, yeah, just sort of, you know, and get. This film is is. I only really noticed it today. It's rather oddly structured because a bit later in the film we meet Mutt, which we'll come to, yeah. and they go looking for Harold Oxley. We don't know who Harold Oxley is. We don't know who he is. Yeah. Um, and it's all to do with this crystal skull. Well, all right, we had a sequence at the start, but who cares? Something to do with you know knowledge of gold or something, and it none of this is sold to us. And again, we're we're about to go on a Star Trek, and we'll we'll talk about films like that where the stakes nominally sound high, but who cares? They aren't actually really very high at all. They're not at all, and I I don't care about any of this. We've we've been dropped straight in the middle of it, and you know you get an old man being dragged out of a car and thrown to the floor. He's not immediately looking limber. But it's okay. I think, yeah. to, to be fair, he looks. I mean, in terms of like Harrison Ford physique-wise, I think he looks. He looks considering he was what is like mid sixties. He was I think. about sixty-five when this came out. Yeah, sixty-five, sixty-six. He looks good in the role. I've got a fun fact about him later on, but um, he's looking quite good here, I think. Yeah, I mean, he sells the action well, and this is probably the best action scene in the entire film. Uh, I think it's probably the only one that that's that's decent. That's like the the, the chase uh, around the university. Um, but, that's quite good fun yeah I enjoy that chase but that's I mean you know for the rest of the film and we're talking like the beginning of the like beginning of the fucking film here this is the best thing that's actually in it <laughs> uh, and it's like uh, I mean 
Yeah, Harrison Ford does, does look great. He's still got it in the action scenes, and you know, he do, you know, he doesn't let his age. He does. He has a punch up later in the film with not Pat Roach, uh, and he's really good at it. He, he still moves really well. He's still the right weight. Yes, he looks older, but the film acknowledges that. His age is not the problem, other than if you're going to age him, you've got to move it into a different era, and you've got to portray him at a different stage of his life, which brings in the idea of marriage or, and or mm. children. Mm. So those things are problems, but it's not inherently he's 65. No. I think that there's a big thing about... Um, I think it was, it was Harrison Ford's idea to kind of mention an age, you know, can a bit of, create a bit of comedy out of it. But mm. They wanted to dye his hair and he re- he refused. Yeah, good on him. Well done. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, like, he's, he's, he's still got it, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, yeah. some of the action starts look a little bit... Uh, a bit ropey. <laughs> well, it's just not what you want from an Indiana Jones film. I mean, and some of it is a bit too, like, like wink, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um... Uh, but we, you know, we we get a few punch ups. You know, the action's looking okay, uh, and then uh, we get uh, on that nu- on that rocket thing that takes <laughs> um, that takes <laughs> that nuclear him. weapon rocket. Yeah, uh, should we mention the fridge? I mean, there wasn't that. <laughs> yeah, the fridge scene. <laughs> Nuke the fridge became a thing yeah. for a while after this. I don't think it's replaced or even got as big as Jump, Jump the, the Shark. shark yeah. Jump but the shark, it is yeah. the same principle. Uh, Jump, Jump the, the Shark, for those of you who've, who've not heard of it, is used to describe TV series where they lose basically their mojo. Quite often it's used to describe series where there was a will they, won't they, that gets resolved and they say, well, it's Jump the Shark now. It's got nothing left. It's, it, you know, some would say, but I disagree. It's about it's abandoned yeah. what it is, or it's just lost the plot. And it's named after an episode of Happy Days where they'd run out of ideas completely, and they had uh, Fonzie jump over a shark on skis, and it was just a shit episode from a, a, a show that had had its day. Nuke the Fridge is kind of the film equivalent that they're saying, well, the series died there. And I'm watching it today. The speed and impact of that thing, yes, I kind of agree. But when I watched it at the time, I wasn't really that bothered. And that's how I feel about a lot of this film, that it isn't particularly good, but most of it I just watched going, yeah, all right. Yeah, it's okay. I still I, think it's a miracle he survives, though. No, I, I just thought, I mean, when I saw it originally, I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world ever. I mean, even by, like, stupid movie stuff. Even by, like, a film that is... I mean, I, I like Fast and Furious, don't get me wrong, but even by the standards of Fast and Furious, that is a fucking dumb idea. And when you like, when you're attaching it to like a series like Indiana Jones, which kind of had its, you know, hand in kind of like grit and, and reality, did, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. reality. I mean, okay, yes, yeah, all supernatural stuff, yeah, granted, but that was that was supernatural stuff. This is like, okay, well, this is actual real life. Like, you can't just get in a fridge, survive it, and not not only that, not only just on the sheer hope that the the radiation and the projectile of it will just will, will just send you flying like out of harm's way. Like it, you would not, you would break every single bone. I know, body. but he, not only that, if you're sat watching it, if you're stood watching a mushroom cloud from that distance, you're watching your own death. Yeah. Surprise, surprise! George Lucas's idea. I just, I think and that's there's cool. so much it's of the ridiculous. film that's like that. It's just. You go through the special. But was features. it his idea? Wasn't it all in the script? Wasn't it more? No, um, it's his idea. But Frank don't forget, he, he wrote the story. It's his story idea. Okay. 
Uh, and he took credit for it, and he had to talk Spielberg into it and everything else. And now Spielberg takes responsibility because he says, well, it's my film and I put it in. Well, it's like, no, George Lucas came out with this. And Spielberg behaves, certainly in the special features to this film, like he's an employee of Lucas. So Lucas says to him, I want it to start with him being taken out of the trunk of a car. And he goes, fine by me. And that's the attitude all the way through this. This all of the shit ideas in this film yeah. will come back towards Lucas, and we're, we're gonna keep, we're gonna go through them as we go through the film. Because George is a friend, and I want to put my do my best to put you know my friend's vision on screen. Even though I don't agree with it, yeah. Well, that's what he's hired to do. That's but I, I don't kind really, of damning, you know, though, isn't it? If, really? If, yeah, it is. But if, if you take the film on that that yeah. basis, and you're not trying to hide it in the special features, you're saying it's my job to you know put his vision on screen. Then I kind of think you're not to blame. I mean, you are slightly to blame without digital and fucking bollocks, it looks. <laughs> but the stupid plot ideas, if they're George Lucas's fault, then, you know, fuck George Lucas, frankly. It's not Spielberg's mm-hmm. fault. In, in, you know, I just, as we go through, as I say, the end result leaves me going, well, it's all right. But from scene to scene, I've got real problems. And most of the problems have George Lucas written all over them. So, yeah, we're, we've nuked the fridge. I mean, Becca, what was your take on? I just, yeah, you... quite frankly, I just think it's it's a miracle that he survives at all. I mean, <laughs> as, as a, obviously it's it's a film, and you have to kind of suspend your disbelief. But there's a lot of yeah, that moments in this film. Though, doesn't it? Oh, fuck, no, you just think, oh bloody hell, you know what? And then the, the terrible effects take me out of the film anyway. So, well, um, yeah, I just kind of I don't know. It's probably not relevant to the time, but I kind of wish they'd gone more with the kind of the, the nuclear kind of thing because they're in Area Fifty One, um, and they've got you know nuclear weapons testing, and they've got the kind of the fake. 1950s town, which is a bit creepy. Um, I kind of wish they'd followed that kind of more, I don't know, kind of nuclear... Um, well, I have a nuclear p- threat. P- paranoia, yeah, that, that kind of storyline rather than aliens. I'm not, not nothing against sci-fi. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a sci-fi fan, um, but I think the extent of silliness <laughs> that we get later on in the film, I wish they kind of followed up, or, you know, they'd gone with that sort of theme of a storyline. Um, but no, I don't know, I kind of think the, the fridge is... I don't know. It is, um, it is, you know, jump the fridge, nuke the fridge a little bit. So <laughs> jump the fridge. I just <laughs> jump the fridge. I really <laughs> care either together. way. It was just a sequence. I'm like, that was so much of this film that I came out. Well, that in itself like, is kind of damning for you. Well, yeah, because I came yeah. out and read and heard all this fury, and I was like, yeah, all right. It, no, I wasn't. I wasn't indignant about it. I wasn't shocked by it. I was just like, yeah, all right. You just felt like you didn't have any, any reason to I didn't care. give a fuck. It just, this fridge thing happened and I went, yeah, all right. The worst thing about that scene for me wasn't the fridge. It was Indiana Jones wandering around like a mock 1950s suburban town. It looked weird. Very strange. Um, but yeah, he survived it. And then we get him back at the university, I think, don't we? Well, he gets interrogated by the FBI, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's where you get Jim Robinson. Jim Robinson from Naples, who doesn't, in this film, doesn't die from a heart attack. No, I know. That was dodgy when he died of a heart attack. I remember seeing that, because he looked for all the world like he was molesting a child in his garden first. It did look a little bit dodgy, but I think it's this... dodgy. has been, been quite a few, quite a few things, hasn't he, where his character's been written out due to a heart attack because, you know, because of that. Um, I think I remember seeing him in... He's in, 24, um, he's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. Yeah, he is. So, mm-hmm. I'd like, he gets I killed think, off straight away, doesn't he? He, he does, yeah. He gets beat off. But, um, yeah, I remember seeing him in, um, in a production of Spamalot ages ago. Um, and he 
they, they killed him off from a heart attack just because he's Jim <laughs> from EastEnders, from, EastEnders, from Neighbours. So, but I think it's quite good, you know, having little sort of cameo roles in there. Um, it's it's, it's well, fun to spot again, these people. I had a real problem with this scene, only in as much as we're sat there hearing what a hero he was during the war, and later on we're going to hear about, you know, them in Berlin. And I'm I'd, like... I'd much rather have seen that film. I'd rather have seen that. We're watching this fucking bollocks, and we've just <laughs> used really good stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, wartime indie. Yeah, it, it does sound like actually quite interesting. I never thought of it before, but yeah. No, it, that would have been really interesting, really interesting to go for, you know, proper period piece and everything yeah, as well. Yeah, but, oh, but, oh, Nazis again. Oh. <laughs> I was going to cool. say, I wonder how much, like, but, like, Charlotte Leroux had to do with it. Because obviously it's kind of, like, kind of like mid-2000s. He was kind of in, in a lot of films. Um, he was going, you know... He's no, exactly, but it's kind of like, well, you know, if he was in it, he was quite popular, he did, you know, quite a lot of movies before he obviously had his meltdown, um, and just became a general weirdo, but it's like, you know, just to try and shoehorn him into it, and vaguely set him up as maybe the next Indiana Jones, but you think, hmm, really? So, but I don't I'm, think that was that he did it. it, it turned no, up, exactly. It, it was in various versions of the script, he had a kid. Sure, uh, sure. For many of the later things, it was Mutt and... This was before Shia LaBeouf got fairly big, which was only a year or two before. So, no, I don't think it's really got anything to do with him. I just think it's... I think the problem is that we're hearing about better adventures, like we've missed all the peak years and now we're getting the shit. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But also, the whole thing, I mean, right from him saying, I like Ike, to later on when we see the chase around the university and people are holding anti-communist banners, that it's almost like this film is trying to play to an audience that has those 1950s sensibilities of Reds Under the Bed and McCarthy and all the rest of it, whereas we don't. No, we don't, no. We, we now know that whatever the issues with Russia, a lot of the Cold War was propaganda and we kind of bankrupted them by trying to force them to compete with us and so on. It's almost like the film's trying to tell us the Russians are really bad because, oh my God, commies. And it's like, well, no, we're not from the 1950s. What are you trying to tell us? That's a history lesson, really, isn't it, I think? Well, yeah. I mean, it's much more effectively done when we get to Star Trek VI in a few weeks' time. Yeah, looking forward to that. Mm. It, it's, um, I, I, nothing is that ruinous at this stage, but I'm not blown away. And that's just it. I think the film stays like that. It just stays that kind of, yeah, okay. When we get yeah. something good, when we get something good. When, when, Hopefully, yeah, and, and just that—that's the thing. It just stays like that. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I did like the little hints, the idea that Indy was a wartime hero. Uh, you know, it makes sense that you know, obviously, World War Two kicked off since we last saw him, uh, and it would make sense that he would be drafted into action and be able to this history. But yeah, now, now you say it, Dave. I just now, and now but that's I'm fine. Have seen that film. But the thing is, <laughs> yeah, right, we, seen that, we would fill in the gaps. We would, we would, if we think. Right, if you don't think Indiana Jones is a hero in any way, then you're watching these films through a different prism anyway. That are, you know, a guy dealing with his foibles or whatever. If you do think he's a hero, then you would probably already fill in subconsciously that he would have probably done something heroic during the, the war. The idea that we're going to go on this really limp, who gives a shit adventure... And at the very outset, fucking Jim Robinson's telling us what a hero he was during the war. <laughs> and later on, we're going to hear about what wonderful adventures he had with Mac. Oh, and Josie! I'll, and I'll think, oh, Josie! Uh, 
And I just thinking, well, why are we watching this then? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'd rather watch that film than this one. And I'm not saying you can't show us the wartime because Harrison Ford is too old. But don't fucking reference it. It's like I, I, uh, well, that's been said. Uh, it's like oh, I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't mention it last week. Uh, the fact that in Raiders, Indy could have potentially just stopped the war altogether. Easily, easily. <laughs> if, if, if he just didn't get involved, he could. You know, it's like oh, that whole idea of like Indiana Jones does nothing. Well, actually, no, he, he did. He stopped the uh, he stopped uh, Hitler from getting killed by the Ark. <laughs> you know, because it was saying straight for Berlin for to Hitler. He could, he could have just shot it there and then. You know, he could yeah, have just like left he, it. Yeah, but yeah, but I blame Quentin Tarantino because Hitler was supposed to be shot at a premiere of Nation yes. Side. Of course, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Tarantino's to blame for that one. Yeah, I. That's such a problem with this film. We go, we go to back to the university next, I believe, don't we? After yeah, that's, that's a good point. I, I remember like the scene. Obviously, we go back to him sort of teaching at the college, and he's in front of all these all these kids who now uniformly seem to love him. Um, and we got Jim Broadbent, and I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe they brought Brady back. Obviously, you know, he, he's since unfortunately passed away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or recast him exactly. And I was like, oh, and I just remember the crushing disappointment. I was thinking, oh yes, Jim Broadbent, he's amazing, and he's not Brody. Oh, <laughs> I think it's nice. Obviously, you get you get there's a cut to him. You know, they see a big portrait of him. I like in, this, in the I like the idea it's though because nice. it, it's a slightly posh, but not ridiculously so. No, no. man of a certain age. Yeah, he's kind of similar to Denham Elliott in his way. Right, right back to having sort of a slightly comedic background as well. Yeah, with a little bow tie and as well. I was so. absolutely fine with this. I mean, you can't get Dan Amelia. He's been dead 16 years at this point. Yeah. yeah. So I'm all right with it. But it's just another thing where we're advertised time's gone by because we've gone twice into the classroom and everyone fucking adores him and are creaming themselves over him. <laughs> and then we go into this episode and he's a middle-aged man and the audience are just, you know, his students are just listening politely. Time has gone by. It's like not the same old magic. I mean, I, I was okay with it. I think I, I still got like little nostalgia buzz with seeing Indy back in the classroom, and you know, Jim Broadbent is a good replacement. You know, I mean, yeah, I, it's I, fine. I, I think it's wise to be a different character, and it makes sense, obviously, because of the time you, difference. But I mean, there was enough to complain about with this film. Can you imagine if you'd replaced the dead man? Basically, he got HIV in a generation where it was a it was a, a death sentence, and he was beloved and when he died it was a bit of a shock because most people didn't know he was ill mm. so I, I just think it you know and people whenever you watch him now he brings a smile to your face when you go and watch him in trading places as the butler and stuff he brings a smile to your face so someone else turning up calling themselves Marcus Brody I think would have been pushing it yeah, yeah. would have been a bit of an insult but, yeah you know, a, bit, a bit too much yeah. I mean we get recastings all the time and I wouldn't have been bothered because but I just think the film's got enough of a sort of kicking from people without doing that as well. <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, no. It wouldn't have bothered me. Not, I mean, I love Adam Elliot, and but it's a, bit of, it's a bit of a wash which one I prefer. But frankly, if you really felt you needed Marcus Brody in this and the actor's gone, then a recast wouldn't have upset me that much. I mean, no, they're, exactly. more, they're more paid tribute to him as well, don't they? With the... They do. They yeah. do. So I think they, they do it right. I only noticed that today, his statue says Dean of Students, 1939-1941. Well, the yeah. two previous films he was in were set before 1939, and I thought he was already the Dean. Yeah. Obviously wasn't, so I don't know what his exact role was. Mm. Or might be, might be a continuity, or, you know. So yeah, it might be a continuity. Or... But, you know, it's all fine, but then he's, like, fired for being a, a Russian, which is very much in keeping with the times. He's not a Russian, but they think he might be a communist yeah. uh, sympathiser. 
don't know what happens. He goes uh, home. Again. Jim Broadbent quits as well, doesn't he? Because he's like he kind of defends Indy. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He quits he, out he, principle. I, and I, I, yeah, I think it's more the fact that he's yeah, it's exactly that he's got kind of carried away arguing Indy's case basically, to the point where he's gone bollocks. I'll go as well. Yeah. And they end up back at Indy's house. And something's not quite right here. We get reference to Marcus's death. We get market reference to Henry Jones Senior's death. Yeah, they, they killed off Sean Connery's character, haven't they? Obviously, he was obviously enjoying retirement too much. They didn't bring him back. I still thought, think oh. that was PR speak. I think they said, "I just I don't know Sean Connery. I can't claim to know Sean Connery." No. But it's amazing when someone turns things things down. There's always like a nice elegant statement from them. Yeah. yeah I mean, because he said something like retirement is too much damn fun, but I'll be first in line. And I'm thinking, they've offered it him, and he went, nah, fuck it. He's got no, sorry, I'll and leave my they, money now. His, his people have crafted some statement to sound a bit more gracious. I'm not suggesting for a second he said, fuck off, or anything like that. <laughs> but you he, can imagine he, he didn't do it. But he's basically just said no. He's and they've crafted p- some... declined. I, well, I love retirement too much. Well, well Connery sort of like, strikes me as, as a guy, as, as kind of like a stubborn man, shall we say. Yeah, he's just got I think, when, when, when he <laughs> says, I'm retiring... Mm. I don't think he's like, and he's going to be persuaded by, well, Spielberg got on the phone, I thought, uh, why not? He's going to be like, no. Yeah, he wouldn't have been on the adventure. It would have been kind of a cameo anyway. You have him look at the, he's at his desk at home, and he looks at the pictures. The Marcus one particularly is clearly a screenshot from Last Crusade, but okay. And Broadbent says something to him about life's got to the stage now that it stops giving us stuff and starts taking things away, which is another just remind us they're old men again. Thanks very much. But then Harrison Ford spends quite a long time looking wistfully at the photos. And I just think think it's not quite some time, isn't it? Yeah, it's pacing is weird. But not only that, I don't think that's really Indiana Jones. But okay, no. (laughs) Yeah, we see see Mutt on his bike looking like um, Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando, yeah. Um, Pretty much I, <laughs> Which is just ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I don't want to over-lionise Marlon Brando because he did plenty of shit. And for most of the second half of his career, he couldn't be asked. But we're still looking... I'm, I'm out, I've, I've always said Marlon Brando's probably the most overrated actors of all but time. But he still has. I mean, I was cutting intros today for future series. And one of the ones I cut was Superman because we're doing that later. So I did the intro, and I used the Jarrell scene, and the hairs nearly stood up on the back of my neck. He does have a quite incredible screen presence. And if you watch him in, say, The Godfather, and then watch him in, say, Apocalypse Now... There's such a big gap, isn't there? There's such a big disconnect. It's just so different. So whilst I agree that you can't lionise everything the man did, I mean, Last Tango in Paris is soft porn. It's not not even a good, remotely good film. But... At the same time, to put Shia LaBeouf with really weird hair. I don't know who taught him to fucking... Grease the Yeah, but it's not. It's really no. weird. Um, I didn't like this. Yeah, he, he basically he's Danny Zuko, isn't he? Danny uh, Zuko, that's it. Bad Danny Zuko. It's, it's, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I think... I, well, I've never been like a major hater on um, Shia LaBeouf. I think he's, he's been a... He, I, think he's, I think what happened with him... It's like he got pushed way too early. Uh, I mean, obviously he had success when he was a kid on on Nickelodeon TV shows. Um, I think it was even Stevens. I'm not sure if those others. Uh, and he, he was just one of those uh, people who was like was quite was was kind of good at doing what he was doing. And then he was in uh, Disturbia, 
which I think uh, turned a lot of people's heads in Hollywood. I think kind of game the kick got got him that Transformers gig, and since he got Transformers, yeah, that that's kind of the it, one that made him really, he, wasn't it? Disturbing Transformers. Just, he just got seen to be a right. Well, you're the next big thing. Let's push you in everything. Flavor of the month. You, and put and well, things that they put him in places where he shouldn't belong. <laughs> I mean, like I'm nothing like, and I've always thought it was too soon for. I mean, he was still fairly young as well. It was too soon for him to be pushed because I think what we had going for him at that time. He had a kind of like a good. I'm going to talk really fast, and I've got like a a kind of comedic presence. He should have been a bit more light-hearted stuff that that showed off that maybe more comed comedies. Transformers, okay, yeah, fine. He's like you know, a teenager's going like, like going, what the fuck? What the fuck's going on? No, 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 no. I see what he said. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but then he's like, he's in this. He's like, oh, what's he in next thousand four now? Then he's in like uh, Wall Street two, and you think. What with uh, Oliver Stone, think, hang on, what the, you know, no, he doesn't belong in any of these. I mean, maybe in a few years when he's got a bit more acting chops to him, or got a bit present, but he's just been pushed in everyone's face. I think that's where some, where the people who, who don't like him has come from. I think it's the idea of having this guy being pushed on, onto you, telling you, this guy's going to be the next great actor. And for him to kind of like, First scene to come on like as if like, he's Marlon fucking Brando. I mean, I'm, I'm I would say I, I'm not a huge Marlon Brando fan. I, I think he's overrated, but the statement alone is like, for fuck's sake, come on! You have to kind of prove yourself to get to any state. You can't just sort of like have a guy who's done like, a few films that have been alright, and then like go oh, well. But the whole greaser, the whole greaser, and vehicle obsession, and everything else, George Lucas again. George Lucas's idea. He was even on set teaching uh, Shia LaBeouf how to comb his hair like a greaser because he's obsessed with that era and vehicles and everything else. So it's another shitty idea that comes from him. Well, I, 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 I kind of get it because obviously he's young and he would be a greaser at that time. I mean, like logically, it makes kind of sense. But, but why have him here at all? We don't need any of this. And frankly, if Indy is like a hero who's going to have things to protect in his life, then it's way easier to sell that as a female anyway. Why the fuck do we even have this? It's all very well defending what's there because, well, if he was from that era, that's what he'd be like. But he shouldn't be there in the first place. I, I guess the idea was that I'd still have that father-son thing. Obviously, it's... But again, I could buy it I mean, if yeah. I thought it was Spielberg's idea, but this is all George Lucas. Mm. And it's just like, I, George Lucas, where if he died tomorrow, has given much, much more to cinema than he's ever taken away. You know, with Star Wars and digital effects and Indiana Jones, a lot of this is out of his head. You know, it comes right out of his mind. So I, I don't want to be so harsh, but he's got to a point, and it happened somewhere around the late 80s, early 90s, where like almost every idea he's had since has been terrible and kiddie and ruinous to the franchises that he's involved with. And it worries me that he's exec producer on the next. Everyone braves David Kep from a for a bad script here. It's a shit story. You know, if you hamstring somebody that badly and say, these are the things you've got to stick to, they're not going to produce gold. And I just think this looks awful, and it's a bad idea. You team him up with somebody who not in a million years is this kid his son. 
I don't give a shit about looks, behavior, or anything. I just do not buy this as Indiana Jones's son in any way, shape, yeah. or form. And he spends the rest of the film, like um, certainly a lot of it, doing a lot of stupid knife shit, calling him Teach, which is fucking weird and sounds <laughs> shit, saying, what are you, 80? Which is supposed to be, is that meant to be funny? Is, what is it? I just think this guy, it's not Shia LaBeouf. I, I have no strong opinions about Shia LaBeouf particularly. Don't think he's a great actor. Don't think he's a terrible one. He's clearly lost his mind a little bit in recent years, but it, it might be a mental health condition. And how hard do I want to be on that? I don't. So I'm not going to be too critical of him. The whole Mutt Williams thing is a shit idea, though. Badly executed. Even though he's named after John Williams. It's one of my fun facts, you know. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler facts. alert. Uh, I mean, like, I, I suppose the idea of being mutt is like a spoiler because he's named after a dog. Um, you know, it's a bit like later on when they get to Akata and they've got to like cut into that like corpse's you know mummified remains, uh, and he says, "You haven't got a knife on you, have you?" And he has to do like a little trick with it first. Uh, and I think we're one step away from this kid having a fucking skateboard and doing some <laughs> tricks. It's just like rain it in a bit. You said to us last week, Becca, in passing, you said this was the dying of the day of this series. Mm. It's actually the Moonbreaker. Oh, dear. Because it's nowhere near as bad as its reputation. It isn't. But it's all, like, real, really shit decisions and a bit tired. Yeah, I mean, there are fun things to be found in this film. But generally, for me, just in terms of the effects, it's, mm. it's, for me personally, it, is like, it looks like the, the effects are abysmal. Was dying of the day, and that's why it's. I, even when he comes through the smoke on the bike, the smoke doesn't look real. No. <laughs> I mean, it might be actually, but whatever they've put on, it just doesn't look like it. And then we don't see Mutt dressed like that for the rest of the film. It's literally for that one shot. And the whole film now becomes we've got to look for this Harold Oxley character. Well, Harold Oxley was shout a name shouted at Indy through a window. Why would we care? Yeah, it's 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 meant to sort of like almost be like uh like a, like a character that that we've that's been in the other films that we kind of know already. Well, in the first film, Abner Rabenwood gets mentioned. Yeah. But the way Harrison Ford says, uh, well, I can't remember the exact dialogue. I'm sure plenty of our listeners do, but it's basically along the lines of uh, what was it? He said something like, "Oh yeah, we we haven't spoken for some time, or we fell out, or mm-hmm. something like that." And it's delivered in such a way that you think, I'd like to know a bit more about that. Whereas, Harold Oxley shouted through a window means nothing. And it's not well, engaging. Pa- apparently it's got a really soothing voice. No, apparently. But better than what glass of warm milk sends you to sleep. Apparently. <laughs> mm. like, but then it's when we get introduced to him, he's like, he's just a bumbling wreck with a beard. It's just, we don't get to know him. So we don't get no, to even care. You don't really get that in, that impact that kind of you know once once and a great man is now just a gibbering idiot. Well, George Lucas has got so obsessed with MacGuffins over the years. All his films. I mean, one of the reasons they took a while with this film was coming up with the MacGuffin. And you just think, well, all right, the MacGuffin's fine, but it's almost irrelevant. I mean, it is relevant because this isn't as good an idea as the Grail or the Ark. And I didn't think the Shankarus stones were a particularly great idea either. But it's all secondary. It's just to set the plot in motion. But he spent all this time trying to, like, work out what the MacGuffin was. Uh, that he's forgotten to, like, engage us in it at all. We're on the search for this artifact. Do we care? 
And all right, the Russians are after it too. So you think, oh my God. But again, we don't have that 1950s mentality of, oh my God, because they're not Hitler. If they grab it, they're not going to take over the world, probably, because the world in that era was all about spheres of influence. You know, Russia dominated Eastern Europe. America dominated South America. Do you know what I mean? I don't actually see what the threat is here. No, there's no infusion. I think you said it just doesn't have energy. Uh, there's no like real determination to make it work. I think it's, I think everyone, maybe not for Ford. I think maybe you know Ford's like showing up. I think, but I think Spielberg more so is just kind of just going through the motions, and it it just feels like if you don't care, why should we? I think that energy seeps through into the through the film. I think they've done nothing to draw us into this, and I think the filmmakers probably think that because we started with a sequence of the Russians clearly after this, that that's enough to draw us in. But basically, he's following a guy that doesn't look the part to go after a bloke we've never heard of. And it's all like, I don't care. And what it leads to is an awful lot of Harrison Ford doing effectively book work. Well, I know he's older, so I would expect him maybe to be a bit more considered. But... That's not why we fell in love with Indiana Jones. There's more for the adventure side of it rather than actually research. So, well, it's the character, it's that action guy who just like he thinks he's really resourceful. The guy now is incredibly diligent. He's all about. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Again, it's it's just not something's not quite right. I mean, when we get to the next scene where we where they go to that uh, temple place where they find, where they find like the, the grave, there's something, yeah. There's some okay. Yeah, you know, there's there's a fight between uh, a couple of you know kung fu as this bit looks <laughs> awful. This looks so soundstagey. It does look quite fake. Uh, and and Harrison Ford is on the um, special. Now to be fair, Harrison Ford, if he's talking on set or whatever, which judging by his dress, he is. Um, he's not going to know what the end result's going to look like in terms of how it's lit because sets look like sets when you're there, but. He was talking about how detailed they look and how good they like, and he's never seen scenes like that in his 40 years in the business. They look fucking awful projected. Yeah. I mean, well, the whole, most of the film looks like it's indoors, yeah. quite frankly. But the, the lighting has a lot to answer for in this film. The, I'm no expert, but it really does. But the action isn't done that well. It just feels a bit tired. And I, and I, I remember those, it was one of those weird things. You ever seen, like, uh, there's, there's a bit of dialogue in the trailer? And you know, and particularly it's the the things that you you were teacher, and he says they use time. a different take. And it and it's it the odd like take. It's time. like it, it it like the take they actually use in the film. It's not the case of like oh uh, I see what they did there, but it, but the the trailer's more effective. It just sat, yeah, I think what they used in the film just sounded really odd. It didn't sound like anyone actually saying like you know. I think in, in the one the trailer, it's it's done a little more more gravitas like part time. You know, yeah, and also, like that, that I read cool. a script outline maybe a year or two before this film was released. Um, definitely before the film was, was shot or completed anyway. And the version of that I read was Indy was in a fist fight with somebody at the point where he's asked that. That's kind of yelled at him. And he kind of like holds the guy off long enough to scream part time and carry on back to a punch up. It's kind of like it's like the kiss off line before he knocks the guy that's out. That's exactly. That's much more in keeping. That would have been amazing. 
And also, he blows that poison dart back into the guy's mouth where the poison ends the other end, so I don't know what arm <laughs> that's meant. That would have been incredible. I'd love to have seen that. No, he did it, but it's like, hang on. Well, no, 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 I know, but I mean, in terms of the punch-up, that would be pretty cool. No, no, well, well, he probably, probably choked. It's like, oh, yeah, I see a bit with the arrow, but it's just like... Wasted. But we've got, like, Shia LaBeouf, who we met two minutes ago in, like, a kung fu fight with somebody we don't know either. No. On a very see. obvious set. It's not good. No. It's, it's quite rushed, this film, as well. I kind of given a little bit of backstory and then said, oh, here's the payoff. And really. Yeah, I actually thought the sequence, I'm with Chris, before we get that far, there's the, the punch-up and followed by the um, uh, bike race around the university. That's actually all right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's the only one that felt like um, Vince Indy in, in Jones in the entire film. I mean, there, there was, like, it, it ends on, like, a, a nice bit where... They, they kind of crash in, in the library and, and the student still like, decides to ask India a question and he, he answers it. Totally yeah, out of character. Of, yeah, kind of like, sort of, yeah, 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 but, you know, don't, don't read that guy. He's, he's never stepped out of the library. If you want to you know, you have to get out of the library. He, Which isn't a bad up. line, but later yeah. on, we've got them stuck in the equivalent of quicksand, but it's not quicksand. And he's reciting a load of book shit. And I just think that's not indie. I know he's got, but, you know, it's, I, I guess it's the least of my problems. This sequence is shot okay. But as I say, we then go down to Agatur. We've talked a little bit about um, about the sort of punch-up that happens with the Kung Fu guys. But none of this is interesting to me. We're, we're in the midst of a mystery, and we, we're not sold why we should care. I mean, we're kind of halfway through the film, even. And it's just like, mm. uh, nothing's blowing me away so far. Um but none of it, so, for everything we're saying, and I'm being very negative here, I'm sure everyone listening to this has seen it, but if you haven't, it's not embarrassing. We've seen well, far worse films than this. It's just all a bit... Uh, disappointing. Yeah. And if you, it is one of those films, a little bit like a Goldeneye or something, that if you really subject it to any kind of analysis, it falls apart. But it's just not that good. In fact, it, it kind of makes me wish I, w- I wish it was all kind of akin to the fridge scene because at least then it'll be like oh well that's just ridiculous that's at least it's be somewhat interesting in the kind of like uh beck alluded like the dying of a day where it's just everything's complete batshit you can just like let go and just enjoy it for the ridiculous mess that it is there's no joy but, in this film though it's lacking no. in energy really yeah um, which, which is, which I think but we've got this whole thing where they speaking. go and find out where Ox was, and he'd, he'd written on the wall in like a dead language or a number of dead languages actually, and it's just all the way through this bit. Both both of the first times I saw it, I'm thinking, what's this about again? Oh yeah, that crystal skull thing. It's just kind of like, why, why do I care? I don't know who this guy is. I don't know who this kid is, except. Everything leading into the film has spoiled its indie sun. Well, where do you go from there? Do we go back to the uh, like the jungle where? Well, we don't go back to the jungle. We go to the jungle, and we. Uh, they're actually picked up. They when they get out of there, the um, Russians are there and basically arrest them. And so uh, we then get to Mac. that sort of tent yeah, where we have to look at. Yeah, he pops up. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jose. And, and we go to. I thought this looked like a set, and then we get to the next bit, and that really looks like a set. Yeah, it's quite the, ju- the jungle bit next with the snake and um, with the tents and everything else, that re- that barely looks like it was big enough to even be shot on a soundstage. It looks like it was shot in a room somewhere. 
And this is the bit where where things start heating up and you just start snoring, really. It's just like, yeah. We see Marion as well. With more plot. Yeah, we see Marion. She's great for two um, sentences and then it falls apart. Yeah. Okay. Because so she so walks we... out and she's like, Indiana Jones, and her hands <laughs> on her waist, and I thought, this is going to be good. Uh, Here we and, go. And, then it's and that's it. Mm. <laughs> do, do, does she hit him or slap him? She doesn't. I think she was going to. She walks past him straight to Mutt. She shapes yeah. up as though she's going to. And, I, and even now, having seen the film like eight years ago and several times in the interim, I'd kind of forgotten and thought she was going to. And I'm kind of disappointed she does. Disappointed she doesn't. It could have been something great, like that bit in Tomorrow Never Dies, where like Terry Hatcher slaps Pistol on the face. Like, I was really thinking that kind of moment. Fucking maybe, well, no, I know this. It's, 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 it's a good moment. And people it's actually. It. Let's use a closer to home one when she hits him in Raiders. Well, there we are, even better. <laughs> I refer to a crap film. Crap well, it's just one of those films. It's like it's, 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 well, it's a good moment in a crap film. That's what I think, and it's one of those, it's like a, for me, it's a memorable moment in a terrible film. When Slap does this sort of stretching the tendons in his neck thing. <laughs> Pain face. Just, oh, it's fucking awful. I don't like it at all. Well, even though we even raised as well, thought, that would have been interesting. Yeah, but I thought so. he was gonna, she was going to hit him. She didn't. She went straight to Mark. I guess I don't have a problem with that. They're in a dangerous situation. That is her son. Yeah. But for the rest of the film, she is post-lobotomy grin, isn't she? <gasps> oh, <laughs> Wouldn't you say? She, she looks like someone's doesn't. drugged her before she started filming. <laughs> here, have a yeah. snort of this. You'll have a lovely time. Have some happy pills. Here you are. She, she, you know, didn't, she's not miserable whatever she's doing. She looks happy while she does it. So. Oh, she, she's just happy to be. She's happy to get work. She, she is. You've just been captured by Nazi, uh, not Nazis, Russians, and the propaganda of the era. Christ, I wouldn't be surprised if you thought these people were going to eat, skin you and eat you alive. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, no problem at all. Dearie me. I mean, it's, you think back to Raiders where she's captured and she's feisty, she's thinking, she almost escapes. You yeah, know. bear in mind, the other thing I thought of today, right, they're all in tents. Now, I haven't done a lot of camping in my life, but if you sit in a tent and speak at normal volume, the people in the next tent can hear you like it's open air. I mean, yeah. it's fuck all, right? They've just had this big sequence with Indy and the tent next to her, and we've heard fuck all, and she's heard fuck all either. And where is this woman gone in the interim? There's just no feistiness, no life. She She's pleased to be there. She's certainly not sleepwalking through it. She's delighted. But it's none of it's appropriate. It's like, well, all right, she might have changed in the interim. I'd have bought if she was terrified. As brave as she was in Raiders, as an older woman and a mother, if she'd been terrified, fine, but she just looks really happy. Like more of a protective mother type. Ah, oh, she just thing. looks so happy to be there. And the film is just, and, and I thought I wanted to. It's, it is, like I say. The, I mean, you'd be kind of be pissed, just like, why have you bought Mutt here? Well, be careful what you wish for, because I wanted these two on screen again. When yeah. they said it's a fourth one, and my immediate thought was, forget the rest, just bring back Marion. And. I wish they hadn't. The early versions of the script, she's got a cameo at the wedding of of Indy and someone else. He marries someone called Elaine something or other. Well, that that Willie Scott and um, was was going to be was, was yeah because I because like, basically if I the... ever get married again, I want you want all your I exes want there. <laughs> sex with in the audience because I think that will make my new wife really comfortable. <laughs> and me, I'd be delighted. <laughs> it's it's not very good, and then they get, they end up in the quicksand thing, which again is like busy work. Why we've even got this sequence? Oh, let's remind us, Indy's frightened of rubber snakes. 
It's kind of funny that I mean I, I do like the, the initial of of, of throw, throw you around is actually a snake and with indies like oh snakes. But the problem is overall it plays up much more like a, a skit, like a sketch, like a SNL sketch. It's not com- it's not connected to the rest. It of looks the like an SNL sketch. It does. You know, it like just the look of it. It just looks like oh you start that's just like you know on Saturday night live and and it's, like, it's played more for laughs. You're not really. T- Tense at all, then you know, and then they come back with like, obviously comes back with help. Go, I put help. Oh, great, the Russians again. Well, you know, who else are you gonna find in the jungle? All this, you know, it's just yeah, it it just does away. It, it's this time, it's it's not satisfying what I want from Indiana Jones. Well, again, it, it I felt a bit this way. I, I'm trying to think what film it was where we had a was it X Men Apocalypse where we had a Stan Lee cameo. Where he was, oh yeah, to, he thought it was a bit inappropriate. Yeah, and it, well, it, it just totally undercut any tension because it was like instead of thinking, "Oh my god, you know the nukes have gone off" or whatever, it's like, "Oh, they're standing." Yeah. I felt a little bit like that here. It's like, well, are we supposed to be nervous for him or not? I'm not interested in any of this, and I do wonder if it's not quicksand, so that when he's pulled out, he still looks completely clean. So then carry on filming without him looking like he's walked through a bowl of ready break. Ready <laughs> break. Uh, I, I don't really know. I just think this is all a bit <laughs> shit, and what a waste of John Hurt. Because I could have got, I, I can go on set looking dishevelled and just saying the same thing over and over again. You don't need John Hurt for that. <laughs> Henry Jones Jr. Yeah. That's all he says for the first half of this film. Henry Jones Jr. No, that's unfair. He does says say get help as well. Get help. Yeah. <laughs> it's not very. It's not great. I can't remember what happens when they get. Pulled out of there, actually. They end up, um, they do end up in some kind of fucking awful jungle chase, though. Yeah, it's basically, this is like the, the main action scene in the film. And it's terrible. This is, this is kind of, of, of akin to the, uh, the, like the, the, the truck chase in It's the in truck Raiders. chase or the tank yeah. chase in the third one. This is this film's yeah. equivalent. Yeah. And, and I bet if you looked at the clock, they would come at very similar times. Yeah, I bet, I think they do. I mean, I I went to see Suicide Squad a couple nights ago, and that's not even, whatever its flaws, it's not even structured like a film. It's in Act 3 after about 25 minutes. This is structured like a film. This is structured like an Indiana Jones film. So in that regard, it's fine, and this action sequence comes in exactly the right place. I do do like the sort of the to and fro between um, Indy and Marion as well. They're sort of like, oh... All, all, all these women, you know, no doubt you've had all the women over the years. And it's like, oh, what's yeah, wrong don't with worry, them? we'll like, see them all at our wedding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally. You <laughs> have an audience full of people with my STDs. <laughs> well, to be fair, we only know of like, one other. I mean, the other one's dead. Like, yeah. He fell into an eternal pit. Is this your life? <laughs> <laughs> you thought she was. And she's here she's tonight! Here tonight. <laughs> Is this your life? <laughs> Um, I just, I don't... Here's Elsa. She's also, she's also bunked your dad. It's Elsa. And here's yeah. your father, hanging out the back of her. <laughs> Here he is now, thanks. He's alive. If he does I... that every, on every show, Dave, that would be hilarious. So, yeah. I mean, so, to get back on point, yeah, we do have, like, that line, as you said, which is like, uh, they'll have the same problem they weren't you, which is like, oh. Yeah, okay. I think that's, that's a really sweet, touching line, I think. Because they weren't you, honey. It's like, oh. But then again, it's like, he gets out and then it's, we already start punching and he's already kind of, like, in the middle of a fight. thinking, think, oh, where's, where's the action here? I mean, but by this time, I felt like I was kind of starred of action. I wasn't really, I mean, I, I know 
retrospective looking at the Indiana Jones like Raiders site, so to speak, isn't exactly action packed, but it feels it. And by the time we get to here, it's like okay, we've had like one, two action scenes uh, at the beginning, and we just had like a load of like plot that I'm not really engaged with. And now we get to this bit, which is meant to be the the, the main sequence, and it's all CGI bollocks. This this, this should be. Yeah, well, it's in there. It should be gritty. It should be sort of like, you know, dusty and, and like and practical as much as possible. Instead, I get Shia Buff saw fighting between like uh, two cars doing the splits and swinging. I know, and it's like fencing. It's not like a fight either. Yeah, uh, it looks really fake. So it looks like some Vaseline's been smeared on the lens or something. It doesn't look real. And the, what's unforgivable is they did shoot some of this in a jungle. So it's, it's some of it, I mean, you know, bits and pieces from all of this. So there's no excuse. It's not like they were trying to save money by not going there at all. And then you got the joke of him being it in the bollocks several times, which strikes me as George Lucas. I've got no proof that that is, but it's goofy and not funny, so it probably is. Um, and it just, again, it's, it, it, it's played more for laughs. Well, That's the problem. The thing is, Chris, Spielberg can't switch off his talent completely. And the way it goes from vehicle to vehicle and the skulls go in different places and then people find themselves on the same vehicle like Marion and Irina and then they're not. It's still got a sense of pace and urgency to it, but there's just too much of it that's just pissing me off. So what else pisses you off about this thing, Dave? I just think it looks terrible. It doesn't look like it's there. And I'm all for like, you know, as as much as I'm not really an action guy... I'm, I am all for, like, the one-liners in actions. That's absolutely fine. But it reminded me a bit of Spectre, that when we watched Spectre and we watched the car chase in Rome, all the tension of it was undercut by him having a really relaxed chat with fucking Money Penny <laughs> on the phone. That's the problem here. They're supposed to be in life-or-death peril, and you've got Marion grinning like she's fucking drugged. Grinning all the way. And them talking about, like, you know, the kid in school and all that shit. And I'm like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> you know, I just... That is just it, not... It's a drama, undercuts. is there? It's just... Uh, it undercuts absolutely everything. Then you yeah. end up with Muck getting sort of thrown off it into the trees. And, and a lot of the complaints when this came out was the whole, like, monkey sequence, them him teaching to swing ropes... I didn't really and, care. At least he didn't do a Tarzan yell. Well, he didn't do a Tarzan yell. And that's a big <laughs> he would have gone out of place, though, really. Yeah, it wouldn't have been. But the th- worst thing is the monkey's got a greaser's haircut. I only really noticed that today. <laughs> I've oh, noticed God. that before. Yeah, he, watch it again. The first monkey he comes face-to-face with has an identical hairstyle to him. And then when he gets, you know, when the and then the monkeys are thrown off the cliff, and we've got to see these CGI creations land safely because woe betide anyone, like, you know, gets anything scary in these films, and yet we're quite happy to see a man eaten by ants later. So I do, I do want the chase scene that kind of happens, you know, at the right moment. That it does. This movie does have its, you know, you've got, you've got the chase scene, you've got the gross out part. <laughs> I think it is literally, tick, you know, the ticking boxes all the way through. Sorry to cut you up, Dave, but I think they are just ticking boxes all the way through. I think you're probably right. I, I just think, I, I just, I don't understand. If you want to make a film for children, fine. If you want to make a film for children, uh, for adults, fine. If you want to make a family film, fine. But in recent years, I can't work out where George Lucas's head is particularly, because he claimed the prequels were for children, and yet we've got limbs being severed, people being choked, and tax. And in, <laughs> and, and, and in, and in this film, 
We've got, we can't see an animal hurt, and yet we're quite happy to see people fucking butchered. And it's like, where's the consistency in, in your attempts to like bring any kind of tone to this? It doesn't look real. It gets even worse when they go cliffside, and Spalco's trying to knock the car off the cliff. That looks video game. It's really, really poor. Yeah, it just looks fake. Um, and you, you think back, I mean, I keep saying it, but you think back to Raiders, and it's like, it was all yeah. shot on set, and it was there, and it felt, yeah, real. Mm-hmm. It felt, it, there, was, there was a texture to it. I mean, yeah, okay, some some of the effects may look like ropey at certain times, but, you, you know, it's fine. It's made in the 80s. You're not going to have the same effects these days. But this turned up but looking dated. It just turned up not looking ineffective, you know. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think I said this on a previous podcast. When I first watched this, I had to watch Raiders again. I I, I had not because like oh I was just like in in bed with like I, I, you know I need I needed my indie fix satisfied because this didn't give me any satisfaction. So I had to watch Raiders and Last Crusade again just to make me feel better <laughs> because that, that's how kind of like dissatisfied I was with it. Yeah, I mean there is no lack of talent involved in this, and so there's no excuse really. I know Douglas Slocum isn't there, but Janusz Kaminski is. So, I mean, there's plenty of talent involved in this. And the thing is, we know this film cost $185 million. And we know they went to a lot of locations. So why does the whole thing like look like it was shot indoors? The next bit's not as bad. When they, when they depart the vehicle and the whole ants thing, that caused a lot of complaints as well. But Harrison Ford still convinces me in a punch-up. It's fairly tense. We've got the sort of not Pat Roach sequence, the equivalent of what would have been Pat Roach if he'd still been alive. And this sequence is all right, but it's two minutes out of the whole thing. It's all over and a bit of a jiffy, isn't it? It's a bit too quick for my I life. know, and then we've got the going off the cliff bollocks, off the waterfall bollocks, which is bad. Yes, dear. <laughs> I like yes, dear, but that's quite funny. But yeah, this sort of, um, yeah, reference to Temple of Doom falling off the cliffs. It's like, oh, no, really? I think it gets... Boring after the first one, you know, you, you know where it's going. Like particularly as you, particularly as he announces, there's three before they go off the second one, which instantly <laughs> tells you there's no fucking danger in the second one. No, because we know there's going to be a third. I just, I just read something like the, the, the body count in this film is forty-seven. That's kind of surprising for me. That seems remarkably high because it's so sanitized. Yeah. Well, there's a few at the start when they arrive at Area 51, isn't it? Because they immediately kill a few people there. And then there's a few people eaten by the ants, I guess. There's, yes, two people. I mean, it says 18 by Indiana Jones himself. Really? Mm, yeah. That seems quite high for me. Hmm. Yeah, it does. Uh, so, I mean, it, it doesn't even fire his gun in this. No. Which is odd. He, 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 he cracks his whip, but he doesn't fire his gun. Because the, the filmmakers are really... Confused us. I mean, Spielberg said in the special features that the last shot of Last Crusade was designed as a goodbye because he was going to go on to other things and all the rest of it. And he said when he came back to this that he had to, him and Janusz Kaminski had to put their egos aside. Janusz had to imitate the work of another cinematographer, Douglas Slocum, and he had to imitate himself, but two decades younger and what he would now consider as less developed, if you like, as a filmmaker. And I think it's just led to a lot of confusion because he's making these things, but they're not doing it with complete commitment. So we've got a load of murder in it and a high death count, but we don't see Indy get his gun out. 
because that would be too violent. And That'd be too like, much. So they caught between two stools, then it's really violent and really sanitised at the same time. I just don't know where, where these deaths really are, though. I mean, like, they're, they're not really put that on screen that much. I, I, I don't, you know, I mean, I, I think about, yeah, okay, there's people that shot at the beginning, but they're the only ones that stand out in my mind. I mean, that and the, the punch-up the, with the ants. But that's about it. I, the thing is, I don't care as well. Well, and that, that's probably it. That's the thing. If I was sat here... I mean, a Bond film, the death count in, with later Bonds is so high you wouldn't even be able to count. Yeah. This is low enough that you could count, but I've got no intention of doing so. No, Whereas if you said... I don't know how many people he killed in Raiders, but if you said 12, for example, I like Raiders enough to sit there and think, all right, who were those 12 then? But I can't be asked with this. I don't care. It's not as bad as I'm making it sound, but it's just killed by complete mediocrity and the knowledge that, like, the people behind the camera, particularly, are are worth more than this. They're better than this. Spielberg is not. Not every film is great, and he's not as consistent as he was when he was younger. But he's better than this. It's just, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's much more because I mean, we'll we'll go for it. I mean. Becca, what, what, any thoughts on the on the on the main action scenes before we go to the go, go to the Tomb Raider knockoff? Go, 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 yeah. go to the not not Tomb Raider screen yeah. scene. Oh dear. Um, yeah, again, it just the effects really ruined for me. Sorry to keep on hammering the same point. But just, well, I mean, nothing more to say really. I no, mean, there isn't. Like... Oh, I've pretty much said all I want to say about it. It's just a bit like I mean, it's you know, you've got certain scenes happen at certain points in the film, and I think as you know, as we were saying, you, you kind of watch. Well, apart from Temple of Doom, um, you know, Rangers, Raid, Rangers, Raiders, and Last Crusade. Um, it's the same sort of thing happening at the same sort of point. But um, mm. I'm, just, I'm just sort of reading the locations. I mean, they go to the same location. Um, I can't remember Ignat Two Falls in Boomaker, and that's like, wow, okay, so it's quite a interesting plot point. But it just looks so fake. Um, and again, you've, you've got the token, token gory death of a henchman. You know, by death by being alive by ants. Um, Which I would have been all right with if Pat Roach had still been alive. No, exactly. Because you'd but... have gone, well, there's an echo. And yeah, George exactly. Lucas, nice. for example, and I, I quite like this about him. There's a lot I don't like about him. But he no. says that like different episodes are supposed to like rhyme. Sure. Which is why there's always a similar structure in scenes that remind you of other things. So if this had been a punch-up with Pat Roach... That would have been much more interesting. Yeah, but, but as, it's as not. Said, it's a, it's a, it reminds you of a much superior film. Fair, Pat Roach died about four years before. That couldn't be helped. No, it's it's it happens. So, in its defence, it it is in spirit. You know, it's oh it, yeah, it's definitely. Same, yeah, well, so. hence we can look at it and go, well, this is the Pat Roach. Yeah, scene. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is the Pat Roach scene. But I do like the scene where she's like she's like straddling like the, the two cars and having a sword fight at the same time. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool stunt. See, I hate that. And I, I think it's just, it's quite clever. I think it's it, most of her own stunts, as far as I understand. So, I think the problem is um, those two cars racing through the jungle and they're having uh, a sword fight. The natural thought is you wouldn't be able to, even if you were the most limber, well-balanced person. You wouldn't be able to do the two at the same time. Well, you wouldn't be able to do the two at the same time. And no. if, even if they stayed completely in line, even if you had them on rails, because the ground would be too bumpy, presumably. No. So you've got to do it back projection in sets, but it looks awful. I don't like it. I really, really don't like it. I like the idea. It would have worked better had he not done the splits. If they were like both yeah. fencing in their own individual cars... And occasionally jumping onto each other's uh, thing and jumping back over, you know, kind of thing. But it, that, that, it's yeah. all set up for him to be hitting the bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke. And it's not funny. No, it's... it's the same sensibility that did, like, the food in 
Temple of Doom, which was a low point in that film. It's memorable, but yeah. it's like, that's not funny and it's a bit racist. Well, this isn't racist, but it's not funny. No. But obviously, when they get to the bottom of the third waterfall, um, we are on the final stretch then. We are on sort of the third act. We are now about to get into where the whole Crystal Skull thing is. We, we have a brief bit outside, which is so welcome. Uh, and then we're back onto sets that look awful. And it does remind me of, if, if you look at the early Tomb Raider games, there was always a lot of puzzles to, like, open doors and that sort of thing. And there's some of that in this, that that door looks really fake. And again, I'm watching the special features, and it's a bit like watching the Die Another Day special features back yeah. in the day when they're delighted about a horrible effect. And they're, they're delighted at the intricacy of this door, and it looks shit. I mean, it, it doesn't look cheap necessarily, but it looks like a set. It looks contrived. It looks awful. Well, when you look back to Raiders, that original sequence from the start of the film where he goes to try and get that gold idol, that's all really contrived. I can't imagine you'd ever have a, see, a scene like that. But it, it doesn't look as fake and plasticky and crap. So you buy into it a bit more. So it's just all horrible. And we do see some gold because Mac tries to nick it and it looks painted it looks horrible it looks like something you would use like I, I could imagine if you were doing a nativity play at school and had to hand over like the gold as a wise man you'd get something like that might as well be a box of fucking chocolate i mean it's the thing is like he's like uh, we've skipped through the fact that mac has switched sides again the whole like oh i was telling you i'm a double a double agent for who <laughs> you're a triple agent now <laughs> Yeah, he does say you're a triple agent. It's like, no, he's just chasing money. And you think, well, no, that makes bastard. Indy look a fucking twat if he's worked with him for years. Yeah. I'm okay with one dimensional to a degree with these films because they are kind of a part back to the serials. But I'm not interested in this character. He's meant to be an ally. Look how good Sala was. Mm. We didn't learn much about him, but he was really great. I don't really like this character much. I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know because... I, I guess there can be some fun to have with something like that, but even back then, I just felt tired. The whole, like, oh, he's, he's going to switch sides. It just felt a little bit like, right, okay. Like, the, the, even from the get-go, the fact that he's... I mean, unless he turns into a demonstrous villain, then there might be something of interest in that. Or maybe not demonstrous, but you know what I mean? Like, a clear-cut villain like of someone that Indy used to trust. There, there's some work in there, but if it's just going to be like... Like a still kind of like jolly kind of kind of thing. It just doesn't work. There's no tension. I mean, the film's lacking in like some real villainy or some tension between characters, and it's just all kind of like. I mean, I mean, even when he's having a fight, he's still going Josie. Mm. It's not also because he wants to hug him. It's like it's the shouting. It's constant. You're two feet away. I think that's half the problem. <laughs> but it doesn't come across larger than life, like a Sala. I mean, Sala could easily have been played by, like, a Brian Blessed or something, quite easily. But it's just, it comes off a bit obnoxious, really. They just want Brian Blessed in this film. Can you imagine? That'd be brilliant. Yeah. But, yeah, we've got this whole silly action sequence. Everything looks really fake and contrived. It all looks a bit Tomb Raider. Even getting in with the whole sort of holes in the wall and the sand and all the rest of yeah. it. I don't really care. Marion's just looked delighted from ever since she got into the car. <laughs> she always looks, looks quite chirpy throughout the whole film. Yeah. And to cut a long story short, because we're just going to skip forward now, because none of the rest of it's that interesting, we end up in a room with all the sort of crystal skeletons, and they've got to put the crystal skull back on the one that's missing. Hmm. 
do we care? It's not. Yeah, it's not even something that's actually. Fa- and, and and on top of that, the uh, the villains miraculously show up, even that, like for the, for, no, that's not really explained at all. They're just yeah. like, oh, we're here, get well. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, it's just like Tomorrow Never Dies, where Bond goes through all this really impressive spy work to get the position of the Devonshire, and when he gets there, Waylin's just found it. No problem. <laughs> I found it already. It's a bit like that, isn't it? It's a bit yeah. like, well, what was all that bollocks getting in? If they could just, <laughs> well, I just used my key. And I don't care about any of this. They haven't solved this thing. The cr- the skull kind of looks all right. It looked all right on um, posters, and it kind of looks all right in live action, but they haven't solved this, the story, the, the thing they're trying to do. I mean, at least with the Shankara stones, if he doesn't put the stone back, the village dies, effectively, and mm. the kids and all the rest of it. Well, here, it's like, well, what if he didn't bother? What if he just dropped it in the water and went, fuck it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> because what's going to happen? The Russians are going to, what, take it there and have the same thing happen? I don't know. Well, the thing so, it's like, it's, you know, she just wants knowledge. You know, she just like wants to know like the secrets of the world. Wants to know everything. And and then like and and well, Indy knows, but I, I don't even know. I don't know why Indy even is bothering because he's kind of like knowing well that probably means end up getting burnt, like disintegrated. Because mm. that's all that's the thing that always happens when you do <laughs> whenever you do something like that. So I don't see why, why they have to go for the effort of actually going there, putting the thing back, and then buggering off. You know. So we can get these 1950s Roswell-style aliens and the spinning flying saucer and George Lucas can go, look, me 1950s fucking film. And it's just bollocks. Did, didn't you expect the alien to sort of say something as well? Yes. <laughs> it was like, it was just that sort of slight look. Hey, even that kind of like, it was like going to say, boo, or something, <laughs> or something like that. Just, um and yeah, and uh, yeah, so uh, Kate Blanchett's eyes start burning out, and she just just disintegrates. And uh, didn't they say like the UFO just kind of goes to another dimension? Yeah, because uh, Lucas wanted aliens, and Spielberg said no, which is just weird because a lot of the argument seems to be it's not realistic. Well, look at the fucking things they had in the previous films, mm. and even Indy, you get you know she said something about. Uh, the skull and reading minds and, and he said oh I've heard that bedtime story and I'm thinking well you're suddenly not a believer in any of this stuff alright fair enough um, but Lucas got it through I mean, on to the fair, b- it could be fleshed out because Indy's been around the block he, know, he knows kind of like what's true and what's not that he's like possibly but what you've got is um, this thing that it's interdimensional beings and it was Lucas going no they're, they're not aliens and it's just a silly fucking thing. They're aliens. It doesn't matter. They flew up into the sky. I think they, they always played with like, aliens as well, haven't they? They always like, kind of like the idea of having aliens and Indiana Jones even back in the, you know, mm. the eighties, mm. um, maybe back in like Lucas's mind. But it's sort of the side. I just I don't care. You know, some fucking fifth string Russian leader has just had her eyes burnt out by it. So what? Uh, then, then, then we get uh, the the thing where Harrison Ford said the same thing twice, and then uh, yeah, said, she, knowledge is, was uh, was the uh, treasure. Treasure was her knowledge, or fucking whatever. Yeah, and then arrange a sentence with these words twice. Yeah, and and then we get a wedding. Guess whose idea this was? George Lucas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> George Lucas's idea. I Girls always want to end it on a wedding. Like, uh. oh. God Almighty! Star Wars retread. 
But um, no, it's one well, not a retread almost, but medal ceremony. It just seemed a bit twee. That's all. He gets made associate dean as well, doesn't he? Yeah, whatever. Make that, that is bigger. Make them bigger. Because if someone's an associate producer on a film, generally they've done fuck all. <laughs> so associate dean means probably, I don't know. Considering he was fired. A title, nothing else. It's like Gareth from The Office. Oh. He's team leader. So he gets to stand there and look serious while, like, the dean announces things. That he doesn't even know. No. (laughs) Yeah. So basically, he's got nothing except a bit of a type. No, he's got bigger letters on on his door. Yeah. Big, big letters. Bigger, bigger. Yeah, Uh, yeah, he gets married to Marion. Um... Which... I, can't, I can't quite. It's quite good that obviously, like the, the door opens and because the hat blows off the stand, it's kind I of fucking hate this. Do you well, like no, this? no, no, no. What it is, no, the, the bit that I like. Uh, this is going to sound really horrible. Um, well, because well, he basically old, takes he... off the booth because we've got. Oh, I think I have it. And then, yeah, and, like, 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 no, uh, no, you're not. The way he's putting it on his head as well. It's a bit like when Dracula goes into someone's neck and takes half an hour over it. <laughs> it's a bit like that. How long has he taken putting this hat towards his head? It's so <laughs> fucking stiff. It takes a long time. And it's just like, well, no one thought he was the next Indiana Jones except George Lucas. No. Because he couldn't sell a fucking film. It's He's like not remotely the same character. I don't care what anyone says, LaBeouf's not a leading man anyway. And if you're going to get another Indiana Jones, it'll be a reboot, not a fucking cum stain. Oh. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> yeah, talk about a greaser. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not too sure whether it's like almost deliberate because uh, you know they kind of tease it, and then it's almost like Harrison Ford's like the voice of the fans going, uh, "No fucking way, no, you know, you're not having it." So <laughs> what, what should have happened in reality, if this had been made three or four years later, he takes the hat off Shire, who's then like shot by a sniper. And as he goes to put it on his head, fucking Chris Pratt snatch, snatches it off him and just goes like, just go and have a sit down. <laughs> yeah, but by this time, Chris Pratt, who's like in Parks and Rec, is it that even still by a thing point, Yeah, it would have been a fat bloke. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> Everyone's looking around going, who the fuck are you? <laughs> He's like, I'll see, I'll, I'll see you in however long. Just wait long. till I do a few press-ups, bud. <laughs> just yeah, just leave it eight, 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 eight or nine years and <laughs> you'll see. <laughs> No, it's just, yeah, to be fair, I just think it's twee. I think that's the word that I would use to describe the whole monkey scene as well. It's like, well, it's just twee. It's just, you know, this scene, this series wasn't really that. It's like the, the, like the original, even Temple Doom had scope. Uh, and even Temple Doom, which, which was mostly shot on the soundstage, you know, it still felt bigger. This just feels kind of very small and very kind of, just done for the sake of getting it done, almost. And it's a bit. You know, the new ideas they have just don't come off, and you know, I it's hard back to my just it's just it's just initial disappointment on the day when it was released. When I went to some, I was like, yeah, new idea comes. Then it's like, oh shit! It just was a big, big disappointment, and I just kind of wish they hadn't bothered. Quite frankly, if I want to see like. I knew Indiana Jones. I'd rather they just kind of ripped it off and took the idea of in, of of Indy. Well, they've tried that over the years, haven't they? We've yeah. had Sahara and things like that. But good. I mean, like you know, I mean, I, I suppose we have the Uncharted series. That's the closest thing we've got to anything remotely decent. Well, they're trying to put that on the big screen. They've been yeah. trying to for years. Um, Mark which... Wahlberg was attached to it for a while. 
Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd rather see how the Assassin's Creed movie or even the rebooted um, Tomb Raider film happen. You know, see how that goes first. The rebooted Tomb Raider film has promise because the rebooted Tomb Raider game. Yeah, that's other really a, well. A, a, a quite an interesting universe, and she's good casting. Well, she's too old. I actually would have gone Daisy Ridley on age because mm. Lara Croft now is meant to be like nineteen or twenty. But, she, she looks quite but young though. She is quite youthful looking. Yeah. Yeah. She can carry off the physicality of the role as Funnily well. enough, she'll be about 31 by the time it comes out, which is the age Lara Croft was in the original continuity. Yeah. Um, but they've obviously gone a lot younger in the reboot. So when there was talk of Daisy Ridley, who's about, I don't know, 23, 24, I thought, yeah, that's probably about right. But actual look, yeah, she's pretty good. She's. Pre- I mean, I, I guess there's the argument of like, I don't want like someone else to do it. Like, for using Star Wars... Yeah, why would you want someone from Star Wars to do like an Indiana Jones type character? Yeah, because no, that's never worked for. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> put it in that context. I, I mean, it may well have been that they didn't come to terms. It may well be that they screen tested and it didn't work. I, I very rarely get too indignant about casting from distance because I haven't been involved. I don't know what the decisions were based upon. I was only going from... I mean, Alice Vikander is really great. I, I was only going from... Um, their their age and the fact that um, she's late teens so go early to mid 20s at latest you're going to have someone who's in her 30s by the time she comes along but that's assuming it's a straight adaptation of the video game reboot and it may not be Hmm. so I don't know I've got an open mind on it but I do think it's got more promise than when you were originally trying to put the original game on the screen it probably will be good, um, and who knows? I mean, like, who who was originally going to do the Uncharted? Uh, it was the uh, what's his name, um, Russell. Um, what David O. Russell? Yeah, David O. Russell. Oh, uh, I think. Which yeah, it was very interesting. He, he cast Mark Wahlberg and uh, Robert De Niro. Okay. Uh, and someone else, I think he wanted Joe Pesci as well. Or something okay. Like that. Uh, but that fell through, obviously. But there's some imaginative casting. Who can we have with <laughs> Robert De Niro? How about Joe Pesci? Hey yeah, on. I can't wait to see what those two would be like together. I might be wrong. I might be wrong with Joe Pesci. It just smacks familiar that they do try to get get him back. Exactly. I don't know, and I don't know what the I don't know what the position with that film is now. We'll get an Uncharted at some point. It's too popular not to. I've never. I've, I haven't had a PlayStation in those generations, so I haven't played them. But I really fucking wish I did. I, I wish there was an emulator or something. I wish it was multi-platform because I really, really, really wanted to see to play. You know what? I'd actually just watch, like, you probably find the whole thing on YouTube. Yeah, like, you, whole, can. Like, you can. And I'd probably watch it because the game is fun, but it it kind of like it's watch more. Watch a run through with the cutscenes and everything. Yeah, could yeah. You, you feel more a piece of playing with it. I mean, the the, the game is itself isn't. I oh well, maybe I played the easy bit. But I didn't find it particularly that challenging, or the moments were challenging. It wasn't. It, it's very much like a shoot and run and spectacle and, and the and the and the way the uh, the action kind of moves yeah. as you as you are doing it. So it it does feel very kind of by numbers easy. Like right. when you get to like the big cinematic moments, they are very. Easy to but do, I didn't but... find two, the Tomb Tomb Raider reboot too hard. Yeah. I mean, I'm some of the original some of the original Tomb Raider games, at least some of the puzzles are quite difficult. Mm. Or you you took a while to sort of figure yeah. out what you were supposed to be doing in a room. There's I mean, very little of that in the rebooted version. But. Yeah, it's in chart. There's there's not much of that. There's 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 some of that, but it's more a case of it's jump, action jump, adventure, jumping around, shooting things. You know, it's mm. uh, which you know, which which it's fun because it just looks like very much scope. It's very much like 
jump to this, jump to mm-hmm. that, jump to that, jump to that. I, and again, you, you're going to cast someone who's, I don't know, early 30s or whatever. Yeah. And uh, whereas we're going to get another Indiana Jones film in 2019 with a 77, 78-year-old leading man. <laughs> and what could go wrong? What can possibly, <laughs> what go, could wrong? possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, I just think, when are they going to set it? I mean... He was younger than Harrison Ford, the character. Swinging 60s. Well, in in 1957, (laughs) the character's meant to be like 58. And we know Harrison Ford was seven or eight years older than that. But that was explainable by the fact that he'd aged seven or eight years between Raiders and Last Crusade. But the series had only gone on two years. It had only gone from 36 to 38. So that's where those years were lost. If they do it in sort of real time, he's going to be, I don't know, 68, 69 in this film. And it's going to be set around 1969, something like that. And I just think, like, that that's really... It's going to take some selling me. The problem is, David Kep is, is writing again. That isn't the problem. Everybody went, oh, my God. And I'm thinking, no, no, he can write something serviceable. But George Lucas is back as executive producer. <laughs> He um, is back involved. It's going to be his story, his MacGuffin, his idea, and Steven Spielberg saying, yes, George. The only possible difference is a lot of this this time has been driven by Spielberg wanting to do another one, whereas last time Spielberg was less keen and Lucas, he went, yeah, all right. So maybe there'll be a bit more sort of Spielberg hand on the tiller this time. But the fact is we've got a film set I mean, Christ, we're not getting that far from like it being in my fucking lifetime. And we've got a very old man now. And it's not impossible. It might be good. But I struggle to think it's definitely going to be better than this. It, it could surprise us. I mean, I don't think, any, I don't, I, I don't think anyone's pretending that this was a, a particularly successful film, creative-wise. no. Um, creatively, you know, it's you know, I mean, I, I forget, I forget what the reviews are like. I'm, I'm pretty sure the reviews are okay. Um, the reviews are all right, and to be fair, I can see why. It goes along all right. It's fine. I was really angry with it. It was, you know, I don't loathe this film, and and I said it at the outset, I would be harder on individual scenes than the whole thing, and that's absolutely true. Because every all the way through the film, I've been going, that's ridiculous, and that's George Lucas, and that doesn't work, and that's terrible. But my end, my my headline on it is yeah, all right, and I don't, I don't, I just don't understand the degree of hatred for it, but I do understand the degree of disappointment. I think, yeah, I think when you get disappointment like this, you will get hatred. I think they just go hand 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 in hand. I mean, it depends on who you ask, but it's the same. Well, what sort we, of thing. you know, to anyone listening who felt that, no disrespect to your feelings, but what were you expecting from a two thousand and eight film? on a series that I finished years before with a guy in his mid-60s with a story from George Lucas. And not George Lucas who made Star Wars and Empire, the George Lucas who made the shitty prequel. I, I guess maybe the the fact the whole story from George Lucas maybe wasn't as... Well, it, I think what what we're going for is like, well, it's, well, it's worked before. You know, at, at this point, everyone's liked the, the last three films. They kind of think, well, obviously, Lucas's Lucas unreigned in the prequels, but this time Spielberg's there. We have got another writer on board. So okay, Lucas came up with the story, but he, you know, but there's actually a script writer on board to to actually write the film itself. Spielberg's there. He'll house and house there. Like basically the whatever that made 
the last three films work, they're all here, so why wouldn't this work to a degree? And I, 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 I guess, I guess, I guess people are just expecting it better. Maybe not like, oh, this is going to be brilliant. Cause I think there was still like, is Harrison Ford too, too up, too old for this? Is it going to work? There was still a little bit of that in the air, but I think people were generally expecting something a bit better, something a bit more akin to um, their nostalgia, really. I wasn't as hard as this on Temple because Temple just felt thin and I couldn't get exercised about it either way. The fact is, there's not a lot through... Temple's made with a bit more... It's got a younger cast, so it feels a bit more lively. The action scenes are done well, though, at least. Yeah, so, I mean, it's got more things going for it. But I think the bottom line is I don't like either of them. So we've got a series that's two for two for me. Becca, uh, Temple or uh, Skull? I think I'd probably go, obviously, Crusade, Raiders, um, Temple, and then this one, sadly. (laughs) I don't think there's a huge amount in it, though. I think this film is just taken too much of a bashing, even though it's not very good. Uh, Temple's not very good. It's just because it's mid-80s and through the sort of golden era of not only this series, but Harrison Ford's career and all the rest of it. Fact is, that film's crap. This film's crap. Uh, this one feels a bit. This one feels a little bit more like an Indiana Jones film, but it also feels a bit lazy and joyless. Yeah, I think in Defense of Temple. I mean, I think you are right in what you say, Dave. Um, but at least in, like Temple is at least fun. You know, it's even even despite its flaws, it is at least like an enjoyable adventure. It's lively. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, so, I think in context of what it is, it's. It's, it's a better film. What makes this film so much sadder is we've already got Lucas's reputation being a bit destroyed by the prequels. We've already got Harrison Ford having done a run of turkeys before he got to this. And with a 19-year gap, there was a lot of like, oh, he's too old and Shia LaBeouf and everything else. And lots of knocks on this. I think the biggest problem with this film was hugely raised expectations, but also there's only good, so good it's ever going to be. You know, it it's 19 years on. It's it's not going to match anybody's expectations. And also, the previous film finished in such a good place. That's what really kills this film for me. The fact that you finished your series perfectly. It's like the boxer with the unbeaten record who comes makes a comeback and gets knocked on his ass. And you think, well, why did you do that? You left it in a perfect place. Uh, and the answer is always the same. Money! So I just think, I, I've had enough of this. I want to watch a, a guy wearing a wig and overacting. Reboot it with William Shatner. What? <laughs> <laughs> they could do worse. My head is already somewhere else. Yeah, but at least that bit, it's like one of the things where, like, if you, if you, if you start breaking the trilogy, so if you do three films, you do a fourth one, well, you can't have to do a fifth one now. You have to make it a bit more rounder. Uh, unless you have, like, a different uh, idea in mind. Oh, actually, no, we're going to do two trilogies. I can't wait for three colours, orange. <laughs> blue, red and orange. <laughs> yeah. Red, white, blue, orange. Orange. It's like spilt some Lucasade on it. Three colours purple. Purple, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Colour purple sequel that nobody wanted you to see. <laughs> Full of purple jousting. <laughs> oh dear. Say no more. Uh, so, um, that's uh, Crystal Skull done, I guess. <laughs> oh, dear. 
And Indiana Jones is done. I know, it's very sad. I'm sad yeah. to be leaving Indy. But uh. it you of like when we got to Dalton and we were like, we can't wait to do... Do-. Oh, we're finished. Oh, <laughs> it's only made two. Oh. That's what this feels like. Still. Yeah. Ended four. Oh. If there's one thing that could cheer me up. Fun facts! Come on, Cole, check back! <laughs> So much fun, your ears actually hurt. Ears will bleed. No. <laughs> Seriously, if anybody does have any problems with their ears, you know, disclaimer, disclaimer, please listen responsibly. <laughs> How can you listen responsibly? <laughs> I don't know. Your eardrums out such a robot, you won't listen responsibly. It's the same about that, you know, Netflix, please watch responsibly. It's like, ah. Oh. Well, I suppose if you go to like a, a big loud concert and you have where ear, earplugs like you see like staff, staff workers do, I suppose that's kind of listening responsibly yeah if you, if you go to a concert don't stand near the speakers that's how you do it <laughs> anyway yeah fun facts fun facts so number one obviously as we mentioned pat roach Shelley died in 2004 um so the first indie film not to feature pat roach so he had a stand-in fun fact 1.a um yeah i think his his role that particular actor his role would have been you know filmed and completed in all of um 10 weeks but you know he was they thought oh, you know he's quite good so they beef, he beefed up his physique especially um, and he had a inflated role in the film, so what you know from what, what could have been a, a well, real bit part. He was essentially the henchman. Yeah, he was essentially the henchman, wasn't he? Pretty much. So. Essentially. But he, in all but name, and then he got obviously the the gruesome grizzly death by gruesome death. Pants. <laughs> death in his pants. pants. And anyway, fun fact number two, yeah, Harrison Ford was obviously in the sixties at this point. Um, he spent three hours a day in the gym and lived on a high protein diet, so he could regain his physique. Um, and apparently the costume measurements weren't too far off from um, the original indie movies, so that's, that's quite a feat, I reckon. They say things like that, but I have to say in this case I believe them. No, but what you did... Wise, I, can, I can believe that. He looks very similar. No, as, as always, he did all, you know, all his own stunts, and I think he does, despite the overall look of this film looking very fake... Um... He stood on a green screen unheeded. <laughs> but no, he, he, does, he does strive for authenticity in his movies, I think, which is something to be admired. Yeah, I was doing some reading, and apparently the Crystal Skulls are, they've been largely dismissed now, um, but they're real. Um, how, how can they be real and dismissed? No, dismissed as fakes, but they kind of sort of... They're, sort of, they're, they're myth- real, but they're fake? No, there's, there's a myth that surrounded them. So I, so Crystal Skulls are, like, are actually real, then? So uh, what what parts of these are actually re- real? What's... what's what it- well, I don't know, so it's, it's, more, it's more of a myth, I think, but it's quite interesting. I, I, yeah. I, thought, I thought it was just just made up completely. I think Chris and I have misunderstood the difference between I've studied them and I read a couple of paragraphs earlier. So <laughs> sorry if we've over-egged what we expect you to know about this. Well, I haven't <laughs> studied it in any great detail. So just you mean doing, you didn't go to college? Just some reading it? around <laughs> it, that's all. I want hard evidence, God damn it! I, w- I want to know your sources, <laughs> I want to know you. You're getting out of the truth. No, obviously there was that myth there where obviously if they were, in a, you know, if they were aligned... Um, back in December 2012, obviously the world was going to end, but obviously it didn't because we're still here. So, but I think it's quite interesting though. It adds a kind of bit of reality to otherwise fake-looking movie. Um, fact number four. Kate so, Blanchett. Let's also say the treasure was knowledge. Yes, and the knowledge, knowledge was treasure. Knowledge treasure. <laughs> <laughs> number one, treasure is knowledge. Number two, knowledge is treasure. Uh, yeah, number four. <laughs> uh, Kate Blanchett. Um, I can also say her name. Um, she learned defence and practiced karate for the role. And apparently her... Well, it was a bit was, pointless then, wasn't it? Cause it, it was a bit pointless. She didn't use any of it at all. Um, and sadly, she said that her role was based on that of Rosa Klebb, 
so from Russia with Love. But we didn't actually get any of that in the film, which is, again, very sad. See, it would have been a lot nicer. Let's just say if there was, like, just one scene where a knife came from a shoe and that, and she used that in a fight for, like, one sequence. See, that would have been a nice homage. That, you know, just that alone. Plus also, it's just pretty cool. Anyway, you know, plus also that the time as well. So, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess, but what is there to perform? I mean, I, I know I defended her performance so to speak would get what what they were saying but there wasn't what what's their thing with Rose Club basically just like oh that'll do a Russian accent and then a woman <laughs> I mean if there was a vague sense of like and I don't know like the fact that she might be a lesbian. I'll try to look like a munter. <laughs> it's like Edna Mode. But also um you know, because she has a vague psychic thing about a character and that didn't really come out as much either it's like oh, well no I mean that, that would have been something interesting it's yeah like, oh, right, that kind of thing like, that you would know, have taken thought yeah that, yeah. that, that, that sort of like you know, we, we, we've seen Indy come across possession like go, go for things that are actually supernatural we haven't seen actually supernatural things within the villains themselves that I mean I'm not saying we should, we should overdevelop it but just the idea the fact that you know she can read people's thoughts. I mean, that's a complete waste of time in the first scene. It's like, you're a hard man to read, Dr. Jones. So basically, your whole mind thing's bollocks, isn't it? Because you can't read your mind at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can read people, except anyone in this film. <laughs> point to say, isn't it? Except any one of you. <laughs> anyway, yes, fifth, fifth, fifth fact, on a bit of a bum note. Um, this is the only Indiana Jones film not to receive any Oscar nominations. I'm rightly so. <laughs> this is rubbish. Does that actually say that in the fun facts, or is that your? No, it's my that's one thing I added. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> well, it's quite interesting though. I mean, even they received obviously like directorial or you know technical, but this didn't receive any. So, which is which is a shame. Have we all really enjoyed it? And if it was all like a raging success, I think it would have been unlikely it would have got any Oscar nods anyway. Yeah. Bear um, in mind, you're talking about um, technical nods. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Dark Knight and Iron Man this year. Shit, oh, was Iron Man that year as well? Yeah, they're both 2008. Oh, wow. That's crazy, isn't it? Not that I know what they were or weren't nominated for, yeah. though, of course, obviously Heath Ledger, but that's an acting gig. But, uh, we'll see, we'll, we'll, I mean, yeah, even we'll if see. you just look from a technical perspective, they are far, far more impressive-looking films than this. Definitely. And I'm quite interested to do um, Marvel further down the line, because, like, the Iron Man movies, I mean, I was never... Well, I'm, I'm not like a massive fan, shall we say, but it's one of those things that's kind of interesting to get into. And into are, you, are you more DC gal? Neither of it. Well, not been any kind of camp really. I mean, my my granddad um, obviously used to collect all like the Superman comics, um, and then he kind of made the jump to to Marvel. So he's got what I call that or Thor. I think somewhere then he my, made dad, the my jump dad was having somewhere buildings in a single leap. Yes, he did. <laughs> um, but no, that was quite interesting. So he kind of literally made the leap from one to the other. So I'm pretty sure my dad must have some somewhere. I'll have to I'll have to ask him. Well, um, but yeah, I was never good... kind of I was kind of really hopping between both camps. Really, I'm not kind of one or the other. That's actually a um, good place to to move on because Marvel is on our slate. It's three series away. Uh, we're going to be covering the Marvel Cinematic Universe after Superman. Yeah. Superman. I've sat doing intros and teaser music for this morning. Actually, mm-hmm. um, so it's going to be preceded by our next series, which starts next week. The Star Trek retrospective series. Yeah, 19 episodes. It's going to start with an intro next week. Uh, we're going to sit very like the Bond films. We're going to try and structure it a little bit more, but we're going to sit and talk about our experiences with it, talk through the different series, give you some tips on some episodes you might like, talk about our perceptions of the films. Then we're going to review all of the films. Uh, next week, we'll announce what the commentaries will be and everything else. And it's a long enough series that there'll be a ranking episode at the end. So, yeah, it's a 19-episode series starting next week. 
and featuring in every episode, we hope, Charlie Brigden from Films on Wax. Huge Star Trek fan, very knowledgeable on the original series. He's asked to join and we're, we're more than happy to have him. Very much looking forward to that and we hope you are too. Yeah, and um, it would be quite interesting that all of us are like, I'm not saying not non-fans, but uh, like Matt myself. I, yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm an expert in any way. So I'll be coming from like. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've even sat through the motion picture all in, in its entirety. So well, you're gonna fi- you're gonna fidget through it now. But <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'll do, what I thought I told, I'll just like put it on like uh, like double speed, or just fast, or just, or just fast forward it any shots of the Enterprise. It's certainly one of the slower films of the series so we're not necessarily starting with a, a you know a cracking adventure per se uh, it's slower more, more thoughtful films but we're going to go through them all we're going to talk about star trek more generally next week so there's no film next week per se but before we get on to that where can we find us all on social media uh, you can find me at cinematronics on twitter uh, you can also find this podcast as well on my website which is cinematronicsco.uk uh, David, you on Twitter? I believe. Uh, I, I am. That's how we met. Wow. Uh, you don't say. One date with Robert Darby, and he's forgetting how, forgotten how he met me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can get me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at RV Movies, but you can find us at Expect Us to Talk. Uh, you can email us. Don't forget, we use email as well. So Expect Us to Talk at gmail dot com. You can find us on Facebook, Facebook dot com slash Expect Us to Talk. Slash. <laughs> yeah, we'll just literally head over to iTunes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, head over to iTunes and Stitcher um, and type in Expect Us to Talk. And also with iTunes, don't forget to give us a little vote, uh, preferably, preferably five stars, as it helps us to rank higher in the searchings and get more listeners. So, yeah, please do. Also, if there's any film series that you'd like us to cover, then please you know, send us an email or Facebook or tweet us and we'll, you know, we'll add it we to know, the list. We know the next several, but we've even, we've even quietly offline added a couple in the last few days to what we've announced, but we're not going to announce them yet. Yeah, oh, yeah. because don't know yet. it's getting silly and we might be <laughs> fucking dead by the time that time comes up. Oh. But we certainly know what we the ones we've announced we, we can add a couple to, but we're not going to tell yeah, you what we're on the yet. grave. Woo. But we are going to talk about next week. Becca! Expect us to talk. We'll return with our Star Trek retrospective introduction episode. Part punk toot. <laughs> 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 <laughs>